this road, momentum is everything. You gotta think fast and move even faster. And if you stop, well, you don't wanna do that. When we're this close, you have to keep on pushing. Tonight, there will be treacherous turns. The queen of pay-per-view is invoking her rematch clause, and I'm going to take back my women's championship. Hell no, I'm not giving up this women's championship! Human-sized barriers. I'm the baddest man to set foot in the WWE. Strowman may end Roman Reigns once and for all right here. How do you stop the monster among men? And cataclysmic collisions. I waited to be a champion my entire life. And now that I am, there is nothing I will not do. Destination. It is a final stop on the road to WrestleMania. And only one way to get there. Roman Reigns is ready to speak. I'm going to regain what's mine. Goldberg. Do you, do you reckon he suddenly realised that he needs a shit? I did do exactly that just before we started recording. I had about five minutes and I went downstairs, boiled the kettle, ran upstairs, took a dump, then ran back downstairs oh. and made, I'd made the tea. Well done, sir. Well yeah. done. That? Oh, I'm not telling the story again. It's not that worth it. Basically, I think he needed a dump and he didn't make it to the toilet. Oh, amazing. You shit yourself. <laughs> oh, See, that's why you should have told the story. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm happy to leave it that way because Tom is always impressed by that, you know, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I think the last time, when was the last time any of you guys shat yourself? I shit myself in Mexico um, when we were, what so was we were about a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that would have been, yeah, nearly two years, well, about 18 months ago. So we were on a way to like this waterfall and I'd already had like a bit of a dodgy stomach in the morning and I felt pretty rough but I knocked back like an emodium in the morning and thought that I'll probably deal with it and I, I went we went to this like um this like ancient kind of Mayan uh, uh, Mayan temple and um I know Aztec temple sorry and it was really cool and I was like do you know what? and I was a little bit like on edge the entire time but I felt all right and then I went back and before we went in the afternoon we were going to a waterfall and I um went back and I actually had a dump um, when I got back um, and it was normal, so I was like, yes, the boy's back. I got my uh, trunks on already, and I took a pair of shorts and um, and boxers with me to get changed into afterwards, because I hate being sat in, like, wet trunks. So I brought them as an auxiliary, and it was a fucking good thing, because on the way to this waterfall, I was like, oh, man, this is real gurgly going on here. And as I was getting changed, I put on my trunk. No, I wasn't wearing my swimming trunks, but I put on my swimming trunks, and I farted, and I followed through horrendously. <laughs> <laughs> And I um I was then I was like fuck fuck what am I gonna do? I was getting changed in like a toilet cubicle, but the toilet cubicle was outside. There was no toilet paper. There was no flush. It was basically just this, this shell of a toilet bowl with no functioning features in it. And my wife James is down, <laughs> down the thing, and I was just like, 
Jade. Jade. <laughs> she was like, what? And I was like, come here. And she was like, you're all right. And I was like, I shit myself. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, yeah, yeah. Well, she was like, I've got some tissues. So she handed them over. But that is just like one measly tissue. <laughs> I tell you what, I have, you've never seen so much use out of this. It was like torn off into like centimeter squares. But obviously, because they didn't have a flush either, and they, I had to get Jade to like come over with like a bucket of water. So I'm like kind of like crouched over, trying to hide my hide my shame and reach through the door and come around and get a bucket of water so I can chuck it in the pot. Oh, it's horrendous. Uh... Amazing, amazing. The, the, uh, the legitimately, the last time I can remember even sharting was, um, funnily enough, the night Barack Obama won the uh, first his first general election. <laughs> Yes, we're back once again, and this week we're covering Fastlane 2017, a show that I'm fairly confident none of us will have seen before, so this should be pretty interesting. When I say we, I mean myself, Ben Spindler, and I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, a couple of head shrinkers on the show today. Firstly, I have Samu Kerry, old man. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Hello, Tom. That's a good start. I just introduced myself as well. Oh, my word. Well, to be honest... I've been so blown away by Fastlane 2017 that I don't think I'm able to talk. I had seen it before, which will give me a different perspective, I think, than you boys. And I, but I'm very excited to hear what you boys think about it if you haven't seen it. So for essentially the last four years, you really have been living life in the Fastlane. I mean, Fastlane is a it's false advertising, I think, for this pay-per-view. I'd say this is more like a middle lane trundle at a solid 70. Well, for me, this is heading down to fucking Devon in the slow lane behind a caravan. We're really not burying the lead today, are we? We're going straight <laughs> into it. Um, and also, you've heard his voice already. We're joined by Fat Tom Smith. Again, Tom, your name really didn't fit the head shrinker narrative. So I simply suggested that you should be called Fat Tom. I apologise. Yeah, I know. Considering that, you know, I'm of the larger persuasion, that's actually quite a hateful comment from you. Well, I, I, I'm of the same, I, you know, I am too, so in fairness. Let's have a nice gravy match. <laughs> oh, lovely. I'll tell you what, as well, for some reason, I don't know why, I was convinced, like 187% convinced, that this was the pay-per-view where crime time had separated and they had their like little blow-off match. And for some reason, I was really looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> and it's not on the show. But the population are like, <laughs> like racing through their memory, like who the fuck were Crime Time, and then they were like, oh yeah, they're, they're that, that short-lived tag team that kind of were aligned to John Cena for a bit. Um, I don't think they were around anywhere near this point, really. No, um, I'm gonna. I think it was 2011. <laughs> like I don't know where this came from, but I was very disappointed. He's um, he's basically just plonk demolition in the Attitude Era with that kind of time differential. Yeah. I'm talking about, uh, we were talking about, you know, us having a, a gravy match just then. Do you know what would make any pay-per-view better? Not just this one, but anyone in particular. A, let's see how much custard we can fit in our underpants competition. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. If you, know, if you know, you know. If you don't know, then learn how to know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah so before we get into wwe fastlane 2017 i actually want to do a little bit of retconning to start the show because in the during the last week i have been looking back at our ratings because last week as you know i kind of had us normalize the rating back down to a uh, rating out of 10 and give it a full number but of course that means that we've got a bit of a problem with regards to some of our previous uh ratings so what i want to do to start with a little bit of housekeeping is get your agreement on what your rating out of 10 was for all of our other shows <laughs> we're trying to keep this nice and simple and i have written down the ratings you gave those shows so this should be relatively easy for you so first of all royal Rumble 95 was our first episode i have changed my rating from a i think it was a 2.2 to a 5 tom your rating you gave royal Rumble 95 was a 2 and i have normalize that rating to a four would you like me to change that would you like me to i'm happy with that and oh man you gave it a 1.8 and again i've given a four on your behalf but i'm again happy for you to change i'll round up because i'm a professional so yeah let's go with four fine okay the reason i've changed mine to a five even though i was quite close to a two is just i felt like a two out of five sounds better than a four out of ten but that's just that was just in my mind maybe i'm just going crazy um then we had sold out which is our second episode i gave that a 0.5 which I've normalized to a one out of 10. Uh, old man, you also gave it a 0.5. Are you happy for you to be a one? No, let's give it a two. Oh, a two. Lovely. Yeah. And Tom, you didn't actually give it a rating on the show. I don't know what happened there. We just missed you off or, or you just forgot to give one. So what would you like to give sold out out of 10? I'm looking through this with massive rose tinted goggles now. <laughs> but, and, and also, I'm, think, I'm thinking about how much fun we had recording the podcast mm-hmm. of it as well. Um, you know, the the Bischoff's hoodie and and <laughs> buff bag or blowing the raspberry and the toilet and you know, there's some gold there. So I'm bump I'm bumping up to a oh, um I'm gonna give it a three. Okay, three. Based on the strength of Eric Bischoff's hoodie, it's got a three, basically. <laughs> yeah. Lovely stuff. You'll find my kind of criteria for judging these wrestling events is probably quite significantly different to yours. That's fine. That's not a problem. That's not a problem at all. Um, So then we had Royal Rumble 1992 uh, in our third episode, which I have given, I've given an eight out of 10 now. Tom, you originally gave it a 3.5, which I have normalized to a seven. Yep. That is exactly, that was the number I was thinking of before I even knew what my original score was. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Cool. And oh man, you gave it a 3.9, which I've bumped to an eight. I'll go seven. Oh, we take it down a notch. That's because of the main event, I'm assuming, and the way it ends. Yeah. Then we had uh, Royal Rumble 2021, which I have given a six out of ten. Tom, you gave it a three on the on the actual episode. Are you happy with it being a six? I think so. Of the strength of the women's rumble and the and the um, last man standing match, yeah, I think so. And old man, you gave it a 2.8. Again, I have made that a six out of ten, but again, you may want to change it. I'm happy with that. Cool. Okay. So then we have Clash of the Champions, uh, Clash of Champions 5, St. Valentine's Massacre, which you, Tom, gave a 3.5, a stunningly high rating yep. for that show. I'm keeping, I'm keeping it. I loved it. Um, so I've given you a 7 for that one. Old Man, you gave it a 1.7, which I have rated up to a 4 out of 10. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And I've also given that one a 4. So then we had Elimination Chamber 2013, which <clears throat> I have given a 7 out of 10. But I've taken your ratings. So, old man, you gave it a 2.8 out of 5. So I've made that a 6. You happy with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Tom, you had a 2.5, which I guess theoretically should be a 5. But I've given you a 6. But obviously, feel free to change. Nah, 5. 5. Fine. So we now have a unified, consistent rating process, which should allow us to have a league table at some point in the future. What did I score as last week? 
You scored it as a six last week. No way out 2000. So it's not as good as Clash of the Champions. No, Clash of the Champions 5 <laughs> remains the joint highest score you've given a show so far. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I do not, I'm sticking to it. I loved it. Absolutely, you're sticking to it now. We've, we've done it now. It's fine. You're never revisiting those scores ever no, again. They're set it's going to really skew some future results. In <laughs> WrestleMania 17 is feasibly only three points better than, <laughs> better than Clash of the Champions 5. That's Love what it. you're telling us. That's what you're telling yeah. us with the score for Clash of the Champions 5. Absolutely. Okay, so it's time to get on to finally today's episode, Fastlane 2017. Um, let's start with your overall thoughts of the show, not giving them too much away. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> didn't enjoy it. This, this is going to score, spoiler alert, this is going to score less than Sold Out 97. Wow. I, I, wow. Did, I did not enjoy this show at all. There's a few bits I, a few bits I, I moderately enjoyed, but I, I did not enjoy the show. It was a chore. This one did not enjoy this whatsoever. Yeah, well, you, you've already kind of, we, as you said, we weren't burying the lead today. You guys already came out with your kind of thoughts earlier in the show. But but um, I'm sure, as I said, we'll get to the detail in a bit. Old man? I don't rate it quite as low as Tom, but this was this was a tough watch, I must say. It was much tougher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I, I think that um, I'd have to agree with your kind of re- relative negativity about the show. And in fairness, we've earned the right to be a bit negative about the show, given that uh, that Tom gave Clash of the Champions 5 a 7 out of 10. We've earned the right to be negative <laughs> about the show, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to agree with your general reflection on this show. I thought it was... Um, a little bit underbaked, shall we say, but we, we will get to it all. We'll get to it all in just a moment. Um, before we head into the show in terms of more detail, a couple of plugs. So first of all, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at RWRPODUK. Um, you can also um, follow us along on YouTube as well, where we've got plenty of clips from uh, this show and also some exclusive content that's only available there. So make sure you head on over and subscribe. So Fastlane, Starting with Sami Zayn versus Samoa Joe. Um, so this one went just under 10 minutes and ended with Joe winning with a Kakina clutch on Sami Zayn. Uh, old man, what were your thoughts on this one? It's always sad to see two Sams fighting. It's not some that I can get on board with, to be honest. So they'd lost me immediately. But then they almost got me back because Samoa Joe has some absolutely badass music, which yes. I've kind of yeah. forgotten how great it is. It made me realise that what Tom touched upon during uh, Royal Rumble 2021 is just how good Sami Zayn is at those little things that make him a heel or a face because he's he's playing the old face card in this match against Samoa Joe. Well, I think Samoa Joe's only been on the main roster for a few months at this point. Yeah, The match was pretty much what you'd expect. It's just a decent, solid effort from the two guys. Um, Sami Zayn is selling all over the place for Samoa Joe. So they're trying to... I got the feeling that they were kind of trying to make Samoa Joe a decent deal. It made me realise also why he didn't make it, because everything he does looks so real, and it looks like it hurts. And I don't think that's really what WWE kind of wants. Ironically, I think he may work a bit better now, even though we're only four years in the future. I think a Samoa Joe-type person will work now. But like, the match was all right. The, to be honest, the best part about it, two best parts about it, were Samoa Joe's music and the referee's tan. The the thing about the, the music, uh, this here goes a bit, a bit of trivia for you. On the Indies, he came out to Simon Says by Pharaoh Monch, which is the get the fuck up 
Simon Says, get the fuck up that song. And the music that he comes out to in WWE is very similar to that. And I think that's why it is that. He did. I'm, I'm pretty certain I remember when he first turned up in NXT, he had a different music than this in the first week or so, maybe just maybe just for the first week. And it was dreadful. He turned up and mm. literally everyone went mental. It's like, this is absolutely terrible. Like, how can you give him this music? And I think it was like maybe a week or two after that, he got this instead. And yeah, it's it's great music. This is a match that should, in theory, be right up my alley, really. Both both very good, both very good wrestlers. But there was a couple of points. One was, why? What's the point in it? And the point is that, for some reason, Samoa Joe just decided to briefly mention him in an interview the week before, then choke him out. And that's not enough of a build, for, in my opinion, for a pay-per-view match of two people of this quality. The other thing is, with the Samoa Joe matches in particular, I've already seen his best match. <laughs> which is that incredible match with Kenta Kabashi in, in Ring of Honor. So every match is always going to be a little bit of a disappointment <laughs> compared to that. <laughs> but it's also just made me feel like a bit, oh, what a shame, a wasted career. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he did some good stuff in TNA. I mean, I've seen some of his matches with Angle and stuff like that, and they are very good. Um, but there's there's a couple of things about it that, that kind of left me feeling a bit hollow. And that, that was one of them, the fact that he was he should have been there before when he was mm. in his peak, because as good as Joe is in this match, and you're right, old man, his his offense looks amazing, and it looks so tight and so realistic, but he's he's past his peak at this point, where he could really make a big impact, and also, it's one of these things where you're like, okay, they're trying to make Samoa Joe look a big deal, but in the back of your mind, as, as a wrestling fan, and as a fan of having watched WWE, you know he's not going to be, you know mm. Samoa Joe is never going to be a big deal in WWE properly, because his style isn't what they want and it just it just made me feel like that right from the beginning maybe i I came into the pay-per-view negatively after watching the opening credits when i realized that it was going to be kevin owens versus goldberg and roman reigns versus braun Strowman. make put me on the back (laughs) foot immediately and i was already thinking (laughs) fuck this pay-per-view by the time it started but i just even though it was it was a fine match it just it didn't really do anything for me and it all made me think you know that ultimately it it was all for nothing because they haven't progressed any of these characters and you can look down the entire show and see that as well this is four years ago and none of these characters have changed or progressed since then and it just made me think like what 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 was the point in in doing anything for the last four years they may have just done this again <laughs> i mean i wouldn't go as far to say they've done nothing with any of them one or two of them have actually oh, had let's let's look at it next we've got I'm not, say, I'm not saying lots of them i'm just saying not all of them that's all you, i'm you, saying you could, you could argue you could argue that roman reigns and Bailey, since this, if they have done anything different. Charlotte Flair has headlined WrestleMania. I think, in fairness, like, it's not like they've done nothing with her. Like, they have no, done but, things with her. No, but, like, they... It's, I could, I, I'm, finding, I'm, sure I'm struggling a, a way to articulate, because the women's division in particular has come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. So I'm not I'm not discounting that, but it was just... I felt like I, felt like I could have watched this pay-per-view and it could have happened last week. That's fair enough. I understand what you mean. There's, a, and in fairness, there's a lot of talent here that are not even in WWE anymore, like four yeah. years ago. But saying that, I mean, I think we tend to look at time in a different way as you get older. And I think if you take the roster of '92 compared to the roster of '96, look at a show from '92 and see how many of those guys are still on the roster by 1996. Like it's again very little. So I think there's also a skewed in your mind because we're older now. <laughs> this feels like a lot more recent than really it was. Um, it's, it is a long time ago in in the world of professional wrestling in fairness 
But it just, it's made me think everyone basically on this card is in the exact same place that they were. And I know that not everyone, not every wrestler in the WWE has to be a main eventer. I am aware of that. And not everyone's, you know, favourite you know, in-ring technicians and stuff are going to be a main eventer. But the fact that Braun Strowman, I mean, we watched the, you know, the Rumble of this year and Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns were both still in the main event. So was Goldberg. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it was made me just feel like, uh, really? I think the thing is, is I'm trying now to kind of bring the devil's advocate to what Tom's saying. And Tom, you know, we should we should mention because he did tell us before the recording that he's had a particularly difficult weekend. I mean, he got a little bit drunk on Friday night. And I think, to be honest, he's still a little bit of a piss about it, to be honest. I think he's still a little <laughs> bit hungover. But in terms of this match on its own, at least, I think it's good. And I think it's about the most realized thing on this show. So you're right. They've got very little build up. Samoa Joe mentions him in his promo. And I was going to fill in a little bit of context because what happens here, Samoa Joe has turned up and attacked, I believe it's Seth Rollins um, and actually injured him. And so we find out later on that Rollins is kind of touch and go as to whether he'll make it back in time for WrestleMania. And Samoa Joe had injured him in like in his opening, in his first kind of angle. Uh, I think it was a real life injury as well. So it was a bit of a like a bit of a misstep right out of the gate. And so there's a sort of kind of speculation as to whether or not Samoa Joe is in cahoots, if you like, with Triple H. Like is he is because Triple H is kind of against Seth Rollins. In terms of this match, they're trying to put Sammy, uh, Samoa Joe over. They're trying to make him seem like a bit of a big deal. He has a credibility enhancing victory against Sami Zayn in a decent match. And it's, as I say, it's about the most realized thing. The rest of the show, I don't even know what it's for. I don't know what, like, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish from the rest of the show. At least in this match, I understand what it is that they are trying to accomplish. And I thought it was, um, I thought it was a really decent match. And the crowd were quite interested in it. Um, yeah, 10 minutes off the out of the gate. This was a start where I thought, okay, this show might be a lot better than I thought it was going to be, given what you've just said, Tom, about, oh, the matches that we know are coming now, which is Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, and Goldberg versus Kevin Owens. One note on Joe. I was thinking there are a few moves I'd less like to take than Joe's running little sense on thing that he does yeah. where he mm. kind of jumps over and then just lands back first on you. He's a, he's a big old unit. Yeah, imagine if you like like happen to breathe out at the same time, you'd be like yeah, dude, <laughs> like properly wind you. Uh, and also on Samoa Joe, while we're talking about him, I've always had an issue with his in-ring garb. Okay. Because I'm obviously he he wears the um there are some some pants on and then there are some loose shorts, but I can never get around the fact that his loose shorts always made me think that his dick's going to fall out because he's they're just flopping around and obviously he's wearing pants underneath but pretty much every match I've watched of him I'm always like is his dick going to fall out am I going to see his, his Samoa Joe you know I'm just there with my camera phones like come on I gotta get that dick pic I see that dick this is going to be this 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 generation's Paul Scholes moment yeah <laughs> and that was old man taking that picture as well I bloody love a dick flopping out there was one other thing I wanted to say about Samoa Joe's career, because I thought the same. I was like, what a shame Samoa Joe didn't make WWE earlier in his career. But I also kind of want to balance the sense that there's a wasted career there in the sense that I think only the second half of his career is wasted. I think the first half where he spends sort of two, three years in Ring of Honor and then spends three or four years in, in TNA and has some really great matches as the Kurt Angle stuff, becomes world champion. They build him up really well. All brilliant. 
You get to about 2010, though, 2011, TNA in general then wasted him. And I think also he lost, he lacked motivation as well. Like he'd done everything he, he could do in TNA and there just there was just nowhere else for him to go. So he spent about five years then in TNA doing nothing really of note, not really anything particularly interesting whatsoever. It was only then once he signed for NXT and started to try and make his way back to the main roster that he got motivated. He got back into shape because he could, did go out of shape for quite a bit of time um, and got himself back into a condition to actually be a, an act in WWE. And unfortunately, then his age and injuries started to take over and, and it never really happened for him. I think that WWE did try in this run to give him a little bit of a push. In fact, I think middle middle of this year, he is one of the main players. He's in the main events and he's, I think there's one match in particular. I remember a four corners match maybe between Roman Reigns, Lesnar, Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman, which I thought I remember watching at the time thinking it was excellent. It was just really like all big moves for a, a good length match. But yeah, I mean, Unfortunately, the injuries took its toll in the end. I just think it's that period of five years where he was in a malaise that is the real bit where he wasted time and, and unfortunately things got away from him a little bit. So next up, we have a promo from Bailey, who is hyping up her match with coming up in later in the show with Charlotte Flair. First thing I want to say about this, Charlie Caruso, who's the interviewer, she is one of those people who seems to be whose, whose neck muscles seem to be on steroids. Kind of like Mauro Ronaldo, like the way she talks, I find to be so kind of emphatic that it, it puts me off. I don't I don't like the way she talks because she's just too emphatic about what she's saying. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody else, but I'm putting it out there anyway. Uh, Tom, any thoughts on the promo? No, but, I will, but I'm glad you mentioned Mauro Ronaldo because I watched the other day after watching the... Uh, the Rumble with uh, which uh, Bianca Belair won. I went back and thought, let's have a look at the last pay-per-view uh, that NXT pay-per-view that had a crowd. And it was the NXT in Portland in a match between Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Very good match. Um, but my God, I fucking hate Ronello. <laughs> I cannot stand him. I hate him. I don't like his voice, his inflections. I hate his insistence on shoehorning pop culture references into everything that he says. He is the worst. And I'm, I'm really and I, glad you said this, Tom, because I don't like Rory Ronaldo either. I find, again, it's just the way, he, like you said, the way he says, everything he says, mm. it feels like he's like putting every sinew of effort into every single word. And I'm just like, just calm down. Like, you don't There's have no to. Nuance. Yeah, you don't have to be this excited all the time. Like, it's fine. Just start. I mean, I don't know. I just really don't like him. I'm, I'm with you, Tom. He, he needs to add a bit of the old Jerry Lawler scared whisper into his commentary. <laughs> my God, my God, King JR's John Cena's really hurt. I think he's really hurt. King. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen a 16-year-old girl anywhere, Jim Ross? <laughs> That's the second um, second Jerry Lawler sounding concerned impression we've had in a couple of weeks, um, and at least the fifteenth reference to Jerry Lawler being a pervert. Oh man. <laughs> I don't loathe Mauro Ranello, but I can completely understand where you lads are coming from. One thing that I wish that Bailey had brought to this promo was something in between Sad Jerry Lawler and Mauro Ranello because it is it's painful. To be honest, when I was watching it, well it made me think one, how much her obviously skill set has grown in the last few years. Also, it, I look back and she'd only been on the main roster for, I think, six months or something like that. So wasn't cutting promos that regularly, obviously, in NXT due to the nature of their programming. But she's so she looks 
terrified of the microphone, like it's going to explode in her face. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was painful. <laughs> I felt bad watching it. It was like watching someone squirm in a seat. I I'd agree. It wasn't the best. And I think I did think to myself, this is probably why the Bailey character that was so popular in NXT just didn't quite make it in WWE in the same way. Like it just never it never gathered that that sheer mass of popularity momentum that it had in NXT, which was a real shame because it was an excellent character and worked really well. Um, and I think this is you're right. This is just was kind of the kind of example. Like she just wasn't she wasn't that expert on the mic ultimately you can apply that to so many other um kind of character nxt kind of characters and gimmicks i remember i seem to remember even when we talked about it might might have been the 92 rumble about like berserker being you could imagine in a certain specific environment him being really over as a babyface. you could imagine that in nxt that there's so many characters they brought through like this happens with cer- certain gimmicks just don't translate over do they yeah, I agree, but I don't think Bailey was one of those ones that obviously wasn't going to work. It didn't feel mm. like it should need to be one of those ones. In fact, in many respects, it felt like it should be the John Cena of the women's division in some respect. Like that, it had that same kind of feel to it. I thought, kind of just yeah. a feel-good, straight baby face. Ultimately, it just didn't work. She should have been. She should have been rapping. That's what it was. She should have been. She should have been rapping. Um, so after this, we had the tag team title match. Big Cass and Enzo Amore versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Anderson? Anderson. Uh, for the Raw tag team titles, eight minutes and 40 seconds this one went and ended when Anderson pinned uh, Amore. Um, when Amore had his foot on the rope, but um, Luke Gallows managed to push his foot off the rope just in time so the referee didn't see and they stole the victory. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. What were your thoughts on the tag team match? Dare I ask? Enzo and Cass's entrance is over, but they're not. No one gives a shit about Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. No one gives a shit about Big Cass and Enzo Mori once their entrance is finished. It was shit. And the end, the ending was annoying as well. Like, just really crap, stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. If you're going to do a cheat ending, at least hold the tights or something. Just pushing someone's leg off the ropes. It seems like a really unoriginal stupid way to end the match Do you know oh, what I mean? we, I didn't... you've caught tom in such a bad mood this morning <laughs> <laughs> it's not, i'm not in a bad mood it's, it's this card is, is foul i tell you what i started watching next week's one which i'm not going to give away oh. and my god i was in a wonderful mood afterwards when i started <laughs> watching that i was i couldn't believe my luck and i was i was i was almost at one point where i was like i might not finish this pay-per-view i might just see if i can blag it but i thought i'd be doing you two a disservice you would so be. i did i did stick through it but I was just—I don't remember. I don't remember. I've got no takeaways from this match at all. Okay, let's move to you then, old man. Have you got any takeaways from it? So I've got a couple. Not all of them are match-related. I mean, it is effectively. How long did you say the match goes? Uh, eight, eight minutes forty seconds. So I reckon it's seven minutes and fifty-eight seconds of Enzo getting beaten up. Which, uh, to be honest, I'm perfectly fine with. The entrance is incredibly over. They lose the crowd when Enzo cuts a promo that is rambling nonsense. Yeah, yeah. When he started, I was like, I remember, I remember him being very good on the mic, a good stick man, as they say. And uh, so I thought, when he came out, I was like, I'm actually going to listen to what I, no idea what he's on about. I, like, literally have no clue. It was like a conversation between the three of us after about 10 pints. <laughs> to be honest, it was just absolute bollocks. Or for the listener, like listening to us talk about this right now. <laughs> did, did uh, you, one thing I did learn from that, though, is that apparently, and I didn't know who thought you could, but you can't teach being seven foot tall. No, 
No. You, you've only just learned this from this one match because that was definitely part of his pre-match no. tick every single match before this. No, what what I learned is that they what they learned is what I came to a conclusion is that uh, evidently some people did think that that needed to be. Told. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't think this was anything special at all. I thought it was a relatively standard tag team match. I quite liked the ending, to be honest, with the foot being pushed off. I thought it kind of just, instead of maybe just it being a cheat thing, I thought it just maybe accentuated how Gallows and Anderson were a really good team and worked yeah. well together. So I, I, I thought it was perfectly acceptable. I think, oh man, you're right. I don't think it's about necessarily that no one cares about Amore and, and Big Cass when they wrestle it's just that he had that ridiculously pointless long promo before the match if they just kept it to a standard new age outlaws-esque entrance where they do they run through their catchphrases everyone would have been really hot for the match but they then start talking for like three four minutes afterwards about as you say absolutely nothing rambling nonsense and it just loses the crowd and then the match starts and of course they're kind of starting off on a on a bad point so it's definitely not really good, but it's okay. I thought, you know, it was perfectly acceptable. If this match had come in any other show where there was lots of good stuff to come later on, I'd have had no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't really have any problem with it here. I think it's, I think it's fine. It's just not great. I mean, a few notes because, like, like, yeah, the match is just, the match just kind of happens and then it's done. So at the end, I was like, I am, I've really got a lot to say about this. So I thought, let's, let's have a look into the teams. So Anderson and Gallows are quite hard to find any real genuinely interesting information in. Uh, Carl Anderson's real first name is Chad. He should have been a Chad Anderson. Um, He also takes the bollock bump in the turnbuckle, Mm -hmm. which kind of leads to the finish. And one, it looks horrible. Like if he even grazed a bollock, he's he's done for weeks. But I couldn't figure out what movie was trying to do. For the listener that hasn't seen, it's kind of like he tries to bronco buster Enzo, who is stood up in the corner, but he kind of tries to do it on the middle rope. It's a very odd move, but the bollock bump looked absolutely awful. And on Big Cass and Enzo Amore. So in the 2017 PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 Male Wrestlers in the world, Enzo... 110. Mm-hmm. Big Cass. I mean, fair play to him. 94. So he's in the top 100 wrestlers in the world at this point. Well, at this point, I need to make my almost semi-regular by this point, not on this podcast, but just in general statement about the PWI 500, which is that it's a kayfabe list of the top 100 wrestlers or top 500 wrestlers in the world. They aren't suggesting that he's one of the best performing wrestlers. They're saying that he's had one of the best win-loss records over the course of that year. I'll tell you what, you've enlightened me because I didn't know that. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't seem to. And then every single year, the PWI 500 comes out and everyone gets upset by who's number one. And it's usually Roman Reigns or John Cena or someone like that. And it's like, because it's a kayfabe list, it's just like telling you who's the best wrestler who's had the title for the longest, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. PWI was it was a kayfabe magazine, wasn't it? Which is why yeah. Power Slam shit all over it in terms of quality, because well, Power yeah. Slam was a phenomenal magazine mm. and sadly doesn't exist anymore. Who was the lad who ran Power Slam pretty much on Finn his own? Mar- Finn Martin. Yeah, how about a big shout out for fucking Finn Martin? Yeah, let's get him on. Let's try and get him on, Tinky. You you know him, don't you? Yeah, I've I've yeah I've done some podcasts with him. Yeah, I mean I'm yeah maybe maybe we can I see think... if we can. One thing that's right. I was going to pull out something about Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson because during this match they actually mentioned it, which I also thought was quite interesting. One of only three tag teams to have won both the WWE and IWGP t- tag team titles. Mm-hmm. The other two being the Dudleys and the Steiners. So, they, yes. in fairness to them, they've had a very good career 
mainly mostly outside of wwe they had this brief period where they were in wwe but they've done lots of other stuff always good to hear about the steiner brothers because obviously for those that have listened to our clash of champions 5 episode they know that we think very highly of rick steiner's (laughs) promo skills i'm just happy that he was able to uh, yeah have some other success other than the rambling drunken promos that took place (laughs) during that show um go back to to, uh, anderson and gallows i um like i don't i'm i don't watch japanese wrestling but every now and again once every couple of years i i tend to watch uh wrestle kingdom um if i can find it anywhere online and um they come across as very cool when they were in that and they came across really well and, and I also liked as well they're swearing a lot as well like I remember I think um, Gallows in one of the matches comes into the ring and he goes he yells into the camera that's 10 Wrestle Kingdoms in a row that's some fucking Undertaker level shit right there which made me chuckle as well Um, but yeah again I feel like they were kind of wasted i think they just don't fit either they don't fit the wwe presentation they're more of a they're more of a kind of almost earthy organic type characters than than wwe kind of likes they like more bold over the top characters and i just they just don't really fit i don't think wwe Um, i just remembered when he was in the straight edge society uh and when cm punk would do a promo he'd be sat on a chair or sat down Oh, he'd always give CM Punk a nice, nice little shoulder rub in the background, like, and it wouldn't make a big deal. But he'd always have his arm placed on his shoulder and give him a little, little squeeze every now and again. It's a lovely little touch. I, I tell you what, while we're talking about Luke Gallows, so I, uh, I had a little look at because I've always quite liked him. Reminded me of when he was Festus. So when he was Festus, when it was a very odd, like it's the kind of thing that probably wouldn't happen now where he was kind of like comatose almost until the bell rang and then he'd go nuts he was 24 when he started doing that because <laughs> he's still quite a young man and i looked at some pictures and he looks much older there than he does now it reminded me that was how they got him into the straight edge society was saying that he was on prescription drugs and that was why he acted the way uh. he did yeah. I, I remember when they did that. I thought that is tremendous. I didn't know that storyline uh, facet. Yeah. I think that is tremendous. I'm really, yeah. really impressed by that. Was, wasn't there also a storyline there where he got hit on the head with a chair and went normal for a couple of weeks? <laughs> yes, there was. Yeah. So, so it's not all great in the in the old history of Festus. <laughs> no. One thing that was never explained was that he was called Festus and then suddenly he was called Luke Gallows. I would welcome listener feedback. No, 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 no. Well, man, you're going to report back next week on this. <laughs> yeah. You've got to put in the fucking legwork, you need yeah, to yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is episode one of the Luke Gallows podcast, and episode two will come next week. Okay, so next up was uh, the match between Nia Jax and Sasha Banks. Um, this one went for about eight minutes and was won by Banks with a roll-up into a bridge. Uh, let's start with you, old man. What were your thoughts on this one? I was very confused by this, I must say. There seems no discernible reason for the match to happen, really. And the actual match itself is 8 minutes and 12 seconds of Nia Jax beating up Sasha Banks. And then there's she does some move and pins her. And that's it. And I just remember being sat there watching it, just thinking, like, what is this? What I couldn't understand is what they're trying to gain from this match. It was a way to get Sasha Banks on the card, I think. But it just didn't make any sense to me. I also... 
it reminded me just how crap Nia Jax is. She's obviously uh, the biggest of the ladies that are in the ladies division. And I think this is probably partly because of how she has been booked even to this point and definitely since this pay-per-view took place. She's just not very good at it. She's not the monster if you're going to make them the monster you can't book them so that in like you know six months after joining the roster they get beat on a nothing match against mm. against anybody it doesn't matter who they're against you're right there's no point in mm. having this match there's obviously some kind of personal issue going on between sasha banks and Nia Jax. that's fine but you don't need sasha banks to be on the show sasha banks is involved in the title feud anyway as we find out later on just don't book a monster a supposed monster like this, like just only use her when you're going to have a win, basically, until you want a big payoff against the hero character. But yeah, don't book them like this. Tom, your thoughts? Um, yeah, you kind of covered everything. Here's, here's a bit of an omission here. <laughs> I fell asleep and woke up during the Rusev Big Show, Big Show match. Oof. Um, and then had to rewind it. And I think I did rewind far enough. So I can't actually remember how this match ends. I don't remember the pro, the, the, the thing we've got on the running order next. Um, but what I will say about uh, Nijax, and this kind of goes through, goes for all of the women who are slightly bigger than most of the women. Why do they make them dress like Evil Lynn from Masters of the Universe? <laughs> yes. They all they all look like characters from like an 80s sci-fi movie in their mm. in their garb. It's really weird. It's like they've got a very if you, they're like if you reach above this certain size, you must dress like. Yeah. An extra from from a Rutger Hauer film. You know, what I mean, it's really odd. It's it's something I noticed that I I kind of maybe subconsciously thought it before, but it really came to fruition when I saw Nia Jax come out. And we also didn't forget that she actually had a little bit of a uh, a thrilling bit of promo herself at the end of the Bailey promo, where she said she's going to beat Sasha Banks up, but she didn't say why. So again, yeah. Answers furthermore, what, why is this match happening? Yeah, they did yeah. have a video package beforehand, before the match. And I can't remember anything about it, I've got to be honest. They did have a video package before the match, though, um, explaining why they were fighting. I'll be honest, when I was thinking about this, so I, I watched this yesterday, I watched the whole show right from start to finish. And afterwards, I took the dog for a walk, and I was just kind of letting everything set in and, and think about how I felt about the show. And I forgot this match even happened. I, by the end, But literally two hours after I'd watched it, I'd forgotten it had even taken place. Um, well, in my notes, one thing I've got is that they tried to, it's almost like they tried to recreate, there was a match that Nia Jax had not long after she turned up in NXT against Bailey. It was Bailey's first title defense after she won, she beat Banks in an Ironman match on an NXT, one of the NXT takeovers. I think it was in London and Nia Jax faced Bailey and Bailey was so over at the time that the, 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 the match was actually really good. And it was essentially this match. It was almost exactly the same. Um, Nia Jax got in the ring she beat the crap out of Bailey, and then Bailey locked in the guillotine choke and they made loads of drama out of the guillotine choke and in the end um, Jax fell to it and Bailey won they kind of tried to do exactly the same in this match and in fact Banks does lock on the guillotine, cho- the guillotine choke and they do that whole bit but there was no crowd reaction because no one cared about it and no one cared about the two people involved in the match which is a shame because Sasha Banks, as I said before, I think when when she was on NXT, I genuinely thought she could be the biggest wrestler in the company, the biggest star in the entire company, let alone just in the women's roster. But they just don't care about them. And I I, I can only assume that they equally were unimpressed by the video package about why the two were, were actually fighting in the first place. Including the tag match, I think this is one of the roughest 45 minutes oh. I have ever had watching a pay-per-view a bit like tom said i kind of watched this in chunks but i did 
I did this run that we're on, so tag match to the end of the big show and Rusev that we'll get to. I did that in one sitting and I've enlisted for therapy and I'll be having <laughs> sessions daily until until we record next week's episode just to deal with it. This podcast has been terrible for your mental health, old man, because yeah. it's the second time you've had to check yourself into therapy. Yeah. The show. Um, no, it's interesting because I, I think at this point, after this match, I was kind of like, well, that was disappointing. But I wasn't, I still wasn't like too down on the show. I was still like, well, okay, the two matches you just had are, are okay. They were average. They were relatively forgettable, but they weren't bad. And and the, the opener I thought was perfectly good. I thought it was a perfectly good match. This next bit, though, is where I think the show really drags down. And I, like, I just, like, this is where I'm kind of thinking, hang on, wait a minute. You've got three hours of Raw ep- episodes every single week. And you've only been able to service about four or five matches having some kind of backstory to the point where you have to fill a half hour gap with this goodness knows what it's about between Rusev and Jinder Mahal. So basically it starts off with Mick Foley backstage of Rusev and Jinder Mahal. And Rusev and Jinder Mahal are saying we don't want to be a tag team anymore and we want competition tonight. So Mick Foley books them both in a match, but he doesn't tell them who they're going to face. They then come out in front of the crowd. They start fighting with one another because they're arguing with one another rusev um gets thrown into like the timekeepers section of the 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 ringside and then jinder mahal stands in the ring and awaits his opponent and his opponent turns out to be cesaro for what we've said before and we'll say many times i'm sure in the future the announcers say is a bonus match bonus match meaning we couldn't be bothered to advertise this before the show took place and ultimately what takes place is that rusev then recovers from having been beaten up by jinder mahal before distracts uh jinder and cesaro manages to hit the um sort of what we'd call it the the uppercut i guess for the for the pin where he kind of pushes them up into the air and then uppercuts them afterwards tom let's start with you what was your thoughts on this bit of this this is a double match segment but we'll just kind of cut it at that point and then come back to the other bit of the segment in a minute so first time no one gives a fuck about any of this <laughs> do they again like so like jinder mahal comes out first then rusev comes and rusev gets a bit of a reaction because rusev again this is this is i kind of think about wasted talent as well because rusev was actually really quite good but he just floated around the mid card and never did anything and now he's gone to AEW where he'll presumably do nothing there as well but i it's one of these things where it's just like they're a tag team. They're a heel tag team that have split up. Why should you care about them fighting with each other? It's not like one of them, as far as I'm aware, it sounds like Rusev just said, I just don't want to be a tag team with you, but they don't show you the footage of that. Not that I can remember anyway. Then they get into like this little scrap. Then Cesaro comes out. And I will, one thing I will say, I always did like the way he, Cesaro comes out. And then Seamus comes out and they kind of amalgamate their entrances together. I always thought that was really cool. But the, the problem is, is that all of a sudden Seamus comes out, fucks off. Just out of nowhere. They, he comes out, they give him his entrance music and then nothing happens of it. Cesaro is, is a very good wrestler, as we said before, but is it, no one cares about this. The only thing that he's got going for him in terms of being over is the fact that people like his helicopter swing move, despite the fact that he's a very good wrestler um, and deserves better, in my opinion. And then, you, then you've got the... the the whole fact is, again, all they talk about is that he's strong. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. all they talk about is how strong he is. And the thing is that, look, and Cesaro is, is a great wrestler. What is his character? What is it? Can anybody tell me? At this point, he's going by the Swiss Superman and he comes out to like a kind of Bond theme thing, like at the mm. beginning. But there's there's no, there's been no character work. And this is rife throughout the entire show. 
Like none of these people have got characters anymore. And you go back to like what we reviewed last week, the No Way at 2000. You can go through a list of all the people of them and you could tell me exactly what their characters were. But you can't do that on this card. And it was at this point where I was already down on it and it just went even worse at that point. <laughs> at this point, the one plus was the fact that Scott Armstrong wasn't on it. Refereeing. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is a genuinely like a, a real low point of the show anyway, like a show that's not particularly great in general. And this is a low point. But I, I think, as you, as you said, the biggest problem is why do we care? Why do we care about any of this stuff? Like you haven't you haven't taken the time to build anything up as far as we can see from the show. And admittedly, we're not watching week to week at this point. So we don't know that there weren't lots of reasons for these guys to wrestle. But actually on the show, it does very much appear as if this has basically been thrown up, thrown together at the last minute because they really they've got half an hour of the show that they need to, they need to fill and they've got nothing to fill it with uh old man your thoughts on this i loved it <laughs> I, I absolutely love that nah, it's uh, it's bollocks isn't it <laughs> it's just like a bit like you've just said tinky this that's exactly what i thought they just said i think these two matches so the match after this as well they pretty much run to exactly the same time they evidently just said go out and have an eight minute match lads and just get us something. The thing that got me is that Sivjinder Mahal at this point is nothing, less than nothing. No one cares. Two and a half months later, he's world champion. In, in May this year, he wins the title for Morton. Yeah, Tom, so don't tell me no one went anywhere on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's, what's, what's Jinder Mahal doing now? Right, but he still did win the world championship. It's it's absolutely nuts because that was that was like that seemed like an odd thing at the time. But when you see the leap, even for WWE, from this to world champion is absolutely nuts. And this is just a waste of Cesaro. Like Tom said as well, the Sheamus thing is just really odd. I don't know why he comes, well, appears and then doesn't do anything and then walks off. And then you get Jinder Mahal and Rusev were former tag partners. They're just arguing. Like, they, they're just having a bit of a rough patch. At the end of the match, poor old Jinder Mahal didn't know who he was going to face. He's had to face the strongest, pound for pound, the strongest man in WWE, in Cesaro. And then after, the, after he loses, Rusev just beats him down. It's just yeah. not nice. Rusev then attacks him and this segment of the show continues because then it's Rusev's turn to have his match. He waits in the ring and we get the big show comes out for a, a, a rousing <laughs> round of indifference. Uh, just, I think we can confidently say that's what everyone was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe just so that you forgot about it as soon as it happened. Like this was this was a classic case for me of like we have got a show where we need content but we don't have anything prepared for it. And so this is, we're just going to chuck these people out. It was at this point that I also noticed the second, so there was two Oldberg signs in the crowd. One, <laughs> which was, one was just hashtag Oldberg and the other one was Oldberg with a G uh, in front of it, but crossed out. So it was just two, both of them had Oldberg signs. And yeah, Big Show just dominated the match pretty much for a while. Then Rusev managed to clip Big Show's knee. Rusev hit a couple of his match could kicks, but... Um, Big Show kicked out and then Big Show decided to use three choke slams and a KO punch to finish off Rusev for the victory I mean again it wasn't a bad match it was just like why why are you put why are you giving this to us and and what also going back to what we discussed earlier on other than to fill time what are you trying to achieve with this stuff because both the two people that are at the center of this entire angle are beaten and jobbed out and kind of just forgotten about straight after it's just weird it's just well it's not weird it's just lazy that's what it is it's just really lazy 
kind of we've, we've got some time to fill let's chuck this out there and do it do what we need to do with it i think i think it's best some summed up at the end when the big show wins the match and walks out and has a look of utter disgust and contempt on his face and that is exactly how i felt he looks so fucking pissed off when he leaves it's, it's like it's like he's 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 like walked out and found like someone's keyed his car or stolen his wheels from his truck <laughs> like uh, from his bus like Alberto Del Rio did seven years or four years ago. It's just shit. I mean, like, they don't yeah. need to do anything to... But at this point, Big Show's getting the old please retire chance. Not necessarily in this match, but I remember around about this period when they tried to put him in a, in a main event program, they got that. Why did they not just have Sheamus fight him? Who knows? Who knows? There's an endless stream of who knows about this, this whole thing. What astonished me when I was watching this as well is... How much Rusev kicks out of like like you said to you, it takes three choke slams and a knockout punch to beat him. And uh, like we talked about the big show in a previous episode, and I said how he should like people just shouldn't be kicking out of his moves, his big moves. And to have Rusev, who is at this point and forever in WWE, nothing like have him kick out of a choke slam. I think he kicks out of one choke slam and then. Big Show gets knocked off, choke slams him twice, and then does the knockout punch. Have him propped him up against the ropes to do it. Having him kick out of a choke slam is just insane because it just doesn't, as we've said loads of it just doesn't make any sense. I think it's just a lack of thought. I think that's what yeah. it is. It's just a lack of thought that's gone into, first of all, long term. As I say, they've got three hours a week to to make raw programming to build up to these shows. And this is all they can manage. Like, like, mm. come on, guys. Like, you can you can do more on that show to fe- feed matches that mean something on this this show. Even if it, in the end, even if it's bloody Rusev versus Jinder Mahal, at least go there rather than just do this. Yeah. And then, as you say, then there's the other things like having people ch- ch- um, kick out of the chokeslam, which is just a a lazy kind of oh, we've we've kind of got nothing else to do, so we kind of have to do this. Like, why? Like, just yeah, just no thought, just no thought whatsoever. To be honest, apart from that, I really enjoyed the segment and i highly recommend it <laughs> so, this, so that 30 minutes uh is over and then we get um a couple of bits and pieces uh bef- between this and the next match first of all is the kfc advert with enzo and cass um old man you any thoughts on this one this is the perfect spot for enzo and big cass it's so stupid and this the wwe had a run of great kfc adverts so I can remember when they had various wrestlers masquerading as the Colonel. So yeah. Tom's favourite, Dolph Ziggler, was one of them. I think Shawn Michaels does it for a bit. It's just a run of great KFC adverts. It's probably not fair to say this because of the women's title match, but this is close to the best thing on the card, is this <laughs> KFC advert, just because Enzo and Big Cass are properly into it. It says a lot about WWE's kind of faith in them as well, that they've given them the KFC advert. <laughs> <laughs> what an absurd but totally correct statement yeah well that's it like you know they only give these kinds of things these kind of opportunities to people that they think have got something about them that they think are right. worthwhile Dolph Ziggler Dolph Ziggler yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't yeah I, I haven't really got too much from this but I did have a KFC yesterday I wow. wonder if that was subliminally you know in wow. there I didn't have what they were advertising I can't remember what it was it was like some honey chicken thing wasn't it yeah. I didn't have that but I did, I did have a KFC and it was quite delicious. Lovely stuff. Um, the other in thing, case that, in case they're looking to sponsor a podcast. <laughs> 
please kfc yeah between the other thing so another thing that happens between the two matches is backstage interview again by charlie caruso this time with kevin owens who talks about the fact that in the past 10 years goldberg has beaten only one man which is the kind of thing where i think they shouldn't really to be advertising that fact given that they've given him a title shot but but there you go any thoughts on that that promo either of you kevin owens properly shits on the part-timers really takes a big old steam and dump on them and it was a i was a bit like right mate this is basically half of the roster well obviously that's an exaggeration but if it's a large portion of their main event talent yeah is and also owens is and i don't i mean we'll get into it later on but the crowd are very much with goldberg so i can understand why a heel kevin owens is kind of making these points but it does kind of seem a bit counterproductive to have a heel when many of the smarter fans in inverted commas will be probably sat at home or sat in the arena going yeah yeah he's bloody right this owens guy he's bloody right yeah yeah i'm on his side now I imagine if they're part of the quote unquote smarter fans, they won't be saying this Owens guy as if they don't they've never heard of him before. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this Owens guy? Well, it's it's also furthermore like why would they write a promo doing that when he's going to lose? It's only gonna make him look bad. It's like when when Triple H had the, the program with John Cena and he kept saying to him about how he wasn't a good wrestler and then he lost to him. You know, he wasn't saying you're you're not a good you're not a good person or I think you, you know me, blah blah. He was saying to him, "You're not a good wrestler," and then he lost him, and it looks bad. And he's saying he's faced one person in ten years, and he's shit and old and washed up. And then lose <laughs> to him, someone you lost yeah. to that old shit washed up person who's only had one match and beaten one person. You know what I mean? It it makes no sense. Um, yeah. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, is what they could have, wh- how they could have done it is they could have had Kevin Owens say exactly the same thing, but positioned it as him complaining about Goldberg getting a title shot, as opposed to saying that it'll be Goldberg easy because of that same fact. That's the problem is that he's not focusing on the fact that as a heel, he thinks it's unfair that Goldberg's been given a chance and he doesn't want to give Goldberg a chance because he's worried about Goldberg beating him. He's he's selling it as though, well, this will be easy because Goldberg's like rubbish and old and that. that's, the, that's the difference. It's a very... Very subtle thing, and it, it would have taken nothing to change the direction of the promo. It's just that, again, those little things, those those sort of details are just kind of there's no thought gone into them. They've just kind of thrown stuff out there, almost as if they're too busy with what is ultimately the main thing they need to do, which is present their wrestlers well and give them interesting things to do in the ring. Well, and at this time, obviously, Owens is, has been having a good time with Jericho. Yep. And I get, and obviously this is purely me speculating, but I get the feeling that Jericho and Owens were probably given a fair bit of freedom in terms of what they could say. And this had the feel of someone saying what they probably actually thought Maybe. of the situation that he was in. I'm turning it up a little bit because he's a heel. And in this instance, as you and Tom have touched upon, in particular what Tom touched upon, he's going to lose to this guy. So he, him taking a steam and shit on him doesn't really do anybody any favours at all. Indeed. It, it could also be argued that Kevin Owens has never recovered from this. This <laughs> promo is the turning point. <laughs> Sliding doors movement for Kevin yeah. Owens. So also then after this, we get Austin Aries at the commentary um, table. He's replaced Byron Saxton. And um, 
they said they should take another look at his package. He's very, very <laughs> proud of his package. And then we do see the Austin Aries video package um, that's introducing him to the main roster. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. And he keeps on referring to it as well. It's wonderful yeah. stuff. It's so it's so stupid and so basic. But at this point, I was willing to take that. <laughs> I was willing um, to take his package. <laughs> full on in your eyes yeah. <laughs> okay so at this point I am going to take a quick break before the next match and we'll be back in just a second ladies and gentlemen please welcome my guest at this time he is the universal champion Kevin Owens Kevin tonight is your biggest match to date what, what, you gotta explain that why why is tonight my biggest match to date is it cause is it because Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar in a minute and 26 seconds? Is that it? Well, let me ask you this. Who else has uh, Goldberg beaten the last few months? Well, let's go. Okay, let's go back further. Who else has he beaten the last five years? Last 10 years? Yeah, you're quiet because the answer is nobody. In the last decade, Goldberg has beaten one man once. And that's supposed to impress me. You know why it doesn't? Because just like I said on Raw, over the course of the last two years, I have been in the ring with the absolute best, the best this industry has to offer, and I've beaten them all. Anyone from Dean Ambrose to, to Seth Rollins to, to Roman Reigns to John Cena, I have beaten them all. So do you honestly think that I'm going to let someone who has no respect for me or everything I've accomplished take this title away from me tonight? No. No, tonight I will outsmart Bill Goldberg, I will out-wrestle Bill Goldberg. I will do whatever I want with Bill Goldberg, and I will beat him, just like I beat all the other guys before, and just like I'll beat anybody else they put in front of me. I don't care if it's Sami Zayn or, or Brock Lesnar or, or The Rock. I don't, I don't care who they put in front of me. I will beat everyone because there's a reason I am the universal champion, and that reason is I am the best. And not even the mighty Goldberg can change that. This is the Kevin Owens show. It's the Kevin Owens show tonight. It's going to be the Kevin Owens show tomorrow night. And it's going to be the Kevin Owens show for as long as I want it to be. Okay, welcome back. Um, so as I say before we went to break, uh, Austin Aries had come out to join the commentators at ringside, and well, not at ringside, was sort of set back a little bit, aren't they, from the uh, from into the crowd a bit. Oh, and this is the point where they have the bit where they announce they'd already announced the uh, German and Spanish uh, yeah. language commentators, and then they go and proceed to go around the entire world and give us all of their greetings in their own separate languages, which I thought was largely pointless. Mm. Um, just to, just to show you how international they are, but it's always nice to see Funaki. Yeah, that's that. what I've written. That's what I've written. It's always nice to see Yamaguchi-san and Funaki uh, doing the commentary for the Japanese audience. They do this every show now, don't they? This is something they just do every single show, except for recently when they've been in lockdown, obviously. So probably a lot of these guys are not actually in the in the venue, but but overall they do this quite a lot. Yeah. So as I said, Austin Aries has, has, has joined them for commentary. He's talked about his package. 
And mm. I bring that back up because I just want to put a smile on Tom's face because if you've <laughs> seen his face during this show, I mean, he's basically just got a resting bitch face for the entire show so far, <laughs> other than when he's talking. So I thought that'd be nice to put a smile on his face. We then get the cruiserweight title match between Neville and Jack Gallagher. This one goes for 12 minutes and ends when Neville um, throws, Nala- throws Gallagher down from the top rope and then hits the red arrow for the pin. Uh, old man, let's start with you on this one. I enjoyed this. I thought it was very good. But let's not talk about the wrestling. Let's just talk about how pale Jack Gallagher is. I mean, extraordinarily, like almost transparent. He is so pale. His character always bothered me. His character is effectively an umbrella. His name is Gentleman Jack Gallagher, and it's never going to work long term. But the match is very good i just right i say it's very good for what they get and the thing that i enjoyed about it as well and i'd kind of forgotten that this was a thing so i remember when wwe had the cruiserweight classic which was thoroughly enjoyable and then they brought in 205 live which i think i'd watched twice enjoyed both times but not enough to watch it on the regular uh, i enjoy the fact that wwe tried to make this look different by chucking some purple tape around the rain ropes and also changing the lighting and stuff like that. I just thought they were trying their best with this, but the match, which I thoroughly enjoyed, is symptomatic of the problems, I think, that the Cruiserweight division has, in that it's just two people that are slightly smaller in size wrestling exactly the same way as pretty much everyone else on the card. Like Cruiserweights are different because they do high fly moves and you'll see things that you don't normally see obviously neville's finish is incredibly impressive and that's kind of it like in terms of difference this could be a match for the u.s title or like if they still had it the european title so that was my one main takeaway on the cruiserweights but i did thoroughly enjoy the match i I wish someone would tell these cunts how to say gallagher <laughs> it did my fucking head in throughout the entire match. Gallagher. Gallagher. I don't care if that is his real name. There's someone needs to tell his parents how to fucking pronounce it. And the thing is, it's one of those things, once you tune into something, it's mm. all you can hear. And because Vince Man hates people, you know, hates needs people to use pronouns. So they always have to say their names when they're when they're commentating. And that was when I really noticed how often they say someone's name. I mean it's constantly Gallagher. Gallagher, Gallagher, Gallagher against Neville. And it was just, I just, I was sat there and I, I, I'm going to tell you guys something that's going to really surprise you. I did really enjoy this show. Um, <laughs> and, and this bit just wound me up so much so that I can't, I honestly can't remember anything that happened in this match because I was just, I was so irritated at this point. i tell you what was really funny then as well is that you were so almost struggling to tell us exactly how much you hate this show you kind of you started talking and then you were like it is and the thing is and again like old man says they're, they're both absolutely fine wrestlers i mean i actually think adrian neville or pack or whatever we're going to call him is one thing that's always impressed me is how in control of everything is that he does you know the you know his the red arrow is it just looks like even though it's it's an incredibly impressive dangerous move it looks like he's in control of his body every single second of the match that he's in and i think i think he is a good wrestler and 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 jack gallagher is um you know he, i don't know much about him but his, his gimmicks just shit and again may have been over in nxt if he was in that i don't know if he was 
um, but probably would be to some extent. But it just again just doesn't translate. And, and also watching it and now knowing they're both gone from the company as well, it's a bit like, eh, why should I give a shit about this match? Yeah, no, it's fair enough. And I think what old man was saying about this could be a US title match um, is absolutely right, except for the fact, of course, that people, the vast majority of people, haven't watched the program that they build build up between these two because it's on 205 Live. So, and 205 Live, I'm sure it's a very good show. I have never watched it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But it doesn't matter how good it is. The vast majority of WWE's audience is not watching 205 Live. And so when you put put them on this kind of stage, of course, people are going to be like, who are these people? I don't care about them. So, yeah, I mean, I completely accept that there's no reason really to care about them. I do think Neville's a really good uh, wrestler, although I think he does struggle. Again, he's got a problem in terms of character. Like, what is his character? He's definitely better as a heel. Like, Mm. he's the bastard kind of character is really good. But even then, it's kind of still feels quite not one dimensional. It's not the word, but just gray. Like, there's just a there's a lack of color to everything that he's, he's doing. And I just feel like we could do with just a bit more going on there is he better as a heel because he looks a little bit like the hobgoblin logo from the beer (laughs) possibly possibly yeah i don't know maybe that's the case i mean obviously when he first came in uh, vince wanted him to have the kind of mighty mouse kind of gimmick that was the idea but but in fairness i've kind of there's been all these kind of moments in the past where people have kind of slated vince man for for the characters he's come up with but I always go back to the two two stories about Austin and, and Foley when they first joined the company and they were talking about the gimmicks they were given. And then Austin came up with the Stone, Stone Cold gimmick. And even in that moment, Vince was trying to take it in a direction that was just completely goofy and, and whatever. But well, both, Otto, Otto von Ruthless. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously when Foley came in, like they were originally going to call him the Mutilator, Mason the Mutilator, and he kind of... <laughs> On the on the fly, he said, "Well, how about Mankind the Mutilator?" And then gradually, they managed he managed to wean Vince McMahon off the words "the Mutilator," so it was just Mankind. Like it kind of speaks to the fact that these guys were given something by Vince, and then they kind of just went, "Okay, what can I? How can I make this so that it's not shit? How can I make it better?" And it feels like so often when you hear about bad gimmicks, like when a, a, an episode of Bruce Pritchard's podcast that I have listened to, which I haven't listened to loads of, them, but one one of them one when he's talking about the Red Rooster. And the fact that Vince is saying, you know, you're the cock of the walk, you know, you're the red rooster kind of thing. Terry Taylor took, just took it so literally and didn't do anything to even try and, and say, well, how can I how can I make this better than just act like a rooster? It's kind of the reason why the gimmick never worked. And I feel like, again, the Mighty Mouse gimmick. Yes. When you first hear the, the words, it sounds awful. But you can kind of I can imagine in the hands of someone with a bit more maybe just not necessarily creativity but maybe just a bit more balls to say well how about we do this how about we change it like this it it might have worked there's a, there's a, there's something in it like the idea that this is a small guy that's just really strong like can we can we work that into something that will work but but again it just it it didn't happen for him Jack Gallagher, we, we kind of need to touch upon this and we kind of need to talk about it as well with regards to Enzo Amore because there are problems mm. with both of these guys. Mm. Obviously, Jack Gallagher himself has actually come out and admitted to one of the accusations that came out about him at a New Year's party. And it's one of the reasons why he was released by WWE because he actually told them that it happened. So he apparently admitted to WWE management that this was true and he was then subsequently released. This was in the middle of the speaking out um, movement that started at the middle of last year. So that's why Jack Gallagher is no longer with the company. I don't imagine. I think he probably would still be with the company if not for that. 
uh, all that stuff coming out. And of course, um, Enzo Mori also had similar accusations against him, which he was released by WWE um, apparently for not telling them that he was under investigation for such an issue. Um, I believe that the that later on the accusations against Enzo Mori were thrown out by the police or, or were, were dismissed by police because there wasn't enough evidence to pursue it any further. But problematic characters both, and that's why perhaps both of them are no longer on WWE's roster. Getting back to Neville, I always thought that they should have, once they got rid of Adrian Neville, and he's never going to get over called Adrian Neville, was he? <laughs> uh, and they turned him heel. They should have gone full heel and called him Gary Neville. Oh. <laughs> and just, just had him as a functional right back. He's just a functional wrestler. Just works down one side of the ring. Won't go over the other side. He ain't interested. He just underlaps, overlaps. His tag partner, lovely old job. He, he could have he could have a gimmick where he could analyse other people's matches, and he could <laughs> yeah. have like the big screen and be like, "You see here, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. You're not doing it right." And then like he could get things like you know like I can remember watching a match ages ago, and it was Arsenal versus someone. It was when Wenger was in charge, and there was a Wenger outside, and he was getting so irritated with the fact that Arsenal fans went to Wenger. He could like almost act as like a. Uh, uh, like for say for example when uh, Roman Reigns is getting booed by the by the fans as a baby face and he could just be like you're idiots. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He could yeah, he could do it. Uh, the first ever pundit wrestler. I think that's a I'll great. I'll tell you show. what. That genuinely that is a great gimmick. Yeah, they they uh, kind of had Dean Douglas almost do that when he came along. Um, I know he was like the teacher character, but hmm. he did he did analyze people's matches um in a very heelish way. I guess if he did it in a more subtle, more realistic way, it might be quite cool. Yeah, <laughs> he can he can have a really gormless brother <laughs> and call him Phil. Maybe. Who manages who manages women wrestlers? Oh, yeah, badly. that's wonderful. Badly, might I? Yeah, badly and and unfairly. Like he shouldn't yeah. be allowed to be given that job. It's just because yeah. he's got a brother, yeah. he managed to do it. And he could be friends with. So he's obviously mates with like David Beckham and they're a class of money too. So maybe he could be friends with like. It's got to be the click. Yeah, he could be mates with the click, but not in it. And what they could do is yeah, they could continually like give him jobs that he's underqualified for. <laughs> My favourite Phil Neville's thing is that when he joined when he joined Valencia on their backroom staff, he um wrote this thing about he, he got up and he, he basically must have gone straight into Google Translate and said, I've just gone for a morning run on the beach. But in Spanish slang, morning run is it's slang for ejaculating. <laughs> so his tweet read, I've just ejaculated on the beach. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. The thing is, knowing him, I'll bet he had the dirty fucker. Yeah. We, we we had gone so much into football then that I was like, when you said all oh, this other thing, that reminds me of this other thing about Phil Neville, I was going to cut it. I was like, this ain't going to make it in. We've already talked about football for long enough. You've changed your mind. It's going in. <laughs> um, so Neville versus Jack Gallagher, I thought was a good match. In fairness, I thought it was a good match. Again, though, no crowd investment. So it just detracted from the first sort of seven, eight minutes. They did come alive after Jack Gallagher delivered some pretty brutal looking headbutt, headbutts. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy, though, that headbutts have not become a regular thing on WWE's roster. They are like they use them quite a lot in New Japan or they certainly did when I was quite heavily watching New Japan. And they are just so dangerous. And they're just, you know, in terms of WWE's own kind of attempt to acknowledge that there's a problem with concussions and they really try and be quite strict with them. I just think there's just no need. Let's just get away from headbutts. At least these kind of almost real looking headbutts as much as we can because there just there's just no point and it just 
it's a, it's a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. But it did get the crowd interested in this one eventually. And I thought they had a good match. It's just, as I said, it was a shame that the crowd right. were interested. I'm glad you brought up the headbutts because I had a note to talk about that and then completely forgot. I got, got sidetracked by Gary Neville. But yeah, it made me quite sad that these guys were working their absolute socks off. And the two, there were three things that get a reaction in the match. So there's the headbutt, the red arrow, and the bit at the start of the match where Jack Gallagher does the, um, I don't know, it's like a... Oh, like a handstand. A, yeah, a handstand on the top rope in the turnbuckle. I just thought they deserve better. So then we have a backstage interview by, once again, by Charlie Caruso in her overly um, expressive vocal cords with Paul Heyman. Yeah, get your massive neck out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he apparently is a surprise at the show um, and says that his client, who he doesn't name for quite a long time, his client um, will be a winner no matter what happens in the main event. If uh, Goldberg wins, then uh, Lesnar will get to face Goldberg for the championship at WrestleMania. And if Owens wins, then Owens will expose weaknesses in Goldberg's game ahead of Lesnar's match with Goldberg. Now, the fact that they already had booked Lesnar versus Goldberg at WrestleMania, once again, for me, just completely telegraphed the result of the main event. I mean, they're not going to have... Goldberg go into this match and get beaten by Kevin Owens only for then <laughs> Lesnar to have to face Goldberg in a month's time. That doesn't make sense, does it? Let's be honest. Also, I don't understand the need to have that match be for the title. Like, surely Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar is a big enough match. And what would this kind of the year long storyline building into the break? Now, I know the match was actually quite shit in the end, but the, the, the you know, the, the long build up that had gone into Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho. Surely, wouldn't that make sense for that to be for the title, to add a bit of gravitas to it? The thing with Lesnar and Goldberg is very much the Cena Rock thing, where they'd fought at Survivor Series. Mm. Goldberg beats Lesnar very quickly, so you just have to up the ante. It can't just be a straightforward match. And also, in spite of what I thought, because obviously I, I knew that they fought at the Mania, the crowd are gagging for it. Like the crowd, are, when Heyman mentions it, the crowd are excited about it. Like they're excited by the prospect of Lesnar and Goldberg. I think that the thing with the Lesnar Goldberg match, in, in terms of what you just said about them being excited, is that they saw Lesnar beaten in a minute and a half, which just wasn't happening at the time. Lesnar was just smashing through everyone and just, you know, basically making everyone out to be a jobber. So it was kind of. It was kind of interesting to have somebody suddenly come in and almost match Lesnar for size, look um, and style and, and and beat him. And I think that's why it was. I think ultimately the build to the match between Goldberg and Lesnar worked really well. It's just on on the way it had to pro- pro- provide this match on the main mm. event of this show. Um, also, in terms of poor, by poor Heyman's standards, his facial expressions in his promo are absolutely ridiculous. Everything is so over the top. His eyes are bulging the entire time. His mouth, honestly, now I know she's got a big neck, but it looked like he was about to devour old Charlie Caruso in that because his mouth is so wide open. He can literally, he looks like he's about to eat the microphone. So it's just really bizarre. And he looks nuts as well because he's got so much fake tan on and he's so shiny. He just looks absolutely fucking mental. And you think back to like the old Paul Heyman back in the day when he was in ECW with his trench coat and his hat and his little ponytail. Like he couldn't look any different from him then. It's really, really interesting. And he um have no idea I didn't look into this, but I'm guessing this is the first time he's done an on screen interview with Charlie Caruso. 
because he says or introduced myself or something like that so yeah. like he he just you made, are. Yeah. yeah just makes out that he doesn't know who she is which i think is a travesty because charlie caruso is probably the goat in my <laughs> like, as far as i oh no sorry she she has the neck of a goat oh that's <laughs> No, that's very cruel. No, I take, I take that back. I, I, I'm not happy with that. I'm um, disappointed in myself because that's a cheap pop. The, the first, the, the thing about Charlie Caruso is the first thing I noticed about her, the first time I noticed her was that she did this week in WWE. Oh, and, and I don't know if she may have done it before it was on the network, but she certainly did it once it was on the network. And I tried watching that a couple of weeks in a row because I thought this is an easy way to get a nice bite-sized chunk of what's taken place the last week and I don't have to watch five hours of stuff I can watch like half an hour of this week on WWE and just even then I found her just so annoying because of the way she talks it just as I say it just feels like again much like Mario Ronaldo every sinew goes into every single syllable and I just I don't, I don't want that it's too much I, I quite like Charlie Crusoe I think she's absolutely fine but it did strike me that she is no Kayla Braxton. Kayla Braxton is very good. Like she does a lot of the interview segments now, and she also hosts. I've only seen it twice, but this show called The Bump on the network, and she's just very good. And she's much more subtle. Good. Then, and that that was something that, like I said, I I don't mind Charlie Caruso and her goat neck, but I yeah I think older. Uh, or water chops, uh, Kayla Braxton is much, much more pleasing on the ears. So this is the ultimate defence of what you said earlier on, is that when you said goat, you didn't mean as in a goat, you meant as in the greatest of all time. That's what you yeah. meant. She has the greatest of all time necks, basically. Mm. So then we had the hosts of WrestleMania, the New Day come out with an ice cream bicycle. Um, the best bit of which was when Big E sang Randy Orton's theme tune briefly. Oh, fucking <laughs> incredible. But other than that, it's very difficult to know what the hell any of this was about tom i can see that you were loving this every second of the way so your thoughts uh, I, yeah, that was great when biggie was singing around your own theme song it also reminded me of the fact that like they always rock out to seth rollins's music i don't know if you've ever yeah. watched it you've gone to youtube and just write new day rocking out to seth rollins it's amazing because they properly go for it every time his music's on um but what did make me laugh about this was how creepy biggie is He's like yes. licking the thing and stuff. Like that. He looks like such a pervert. It's amazing. But like this went on for about four or five minutes, and I was like, yeah. "What is this? Surely you could." I know they they did like this. They obviously kind of tie it into the bootios thing, didn't they? They did, and they're obviously trying to do the new day ice cream or whatever. I don't know where that went. Maybe one of you guys can can fill me in on the details from that. But it's just so such a waste of time. Like I would have rather had a match involving the new day. Then all that shit with Rusev and, um, and Matey Boy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's a weird use of the New Day at that time. Maybe they're just trying to condition people to not expect them to be in the ring, considering that they're not going to be involved in any matches at Mania. Or maybe there was an injury or there was some, I don't know, it's just really odd. It's really, really bizarre. That That's what struck me is just how odd it is. I mean, it's effectively three guys having the time of their lives, like just having a great time and kind of feeding into what you touched upon, Tinky, with the, um, when we talked about their John Hoover and Brody Lee tributes for the Royal Rumble 2021. Like, I think they're kind of allowed to do what they want. And I get the feeling that they were probably just, Vince probably just sent them out just to kill a bit of time. And also to try and calm the crowd down because of the excitement <laughs> that's going to come. 
I don't think it's unfair to say that this is the second best thing that's remaining on the show <laughs> by some distance as well. And this is nonsensical rubbish. The Biggie singing Orton's music is... <laughs> So I watched it and then I was like, hang on, what's just happened? I kind of switched <laughs> off and I wanted to make sure, because I knew we were going to go in depth on the uh, podcast. I was like, I'm going to need to go back and rewatch. So I rewatched the segment. And when he starts singing the music, it is absolutely incredible because he done, he done half ass it. He is living it. And to feed into what you said as well, Tom, he goes from really creepy where he's kissing and licking the, the thing and he's just like his eyes are all over the place to then trying to serenade the crowd by singing randy orton's music and then he goes instantly creepy again i thought it was fine but again what what's it for yeah it's it's, it's a bit mad it's all a bit crazy i don't really understand why they're trying to fill time because this what i've been taking note of is how long each of the shows we've been covering actually runs for the vast majority of them take about two hours 45 minutes right mm, this yeah. one takes three hours and five i'm like why why have you got loads of bits where you're trying to fill time in you could just shave 20 minutes off this it's on the network as well it's not like you even have to go three hours you could go even a bit less than two and two hours and 45 minutes it's just i just don't understand what they what why they're filling this with such nonsensical stuff it, it is a testament to new day that even with this silliness and nothingness there's still something you can pick out of it that's entertaining about it. It is a testament to them in terms of how over they are and how much kind of stuff they've got going on that they still manage to give us something during this one. Talking about the length, as we quite often do, um, <laughs> the when we got to the end of the Rusev Big Show match, and I, I was like, I need to have a little break, paused it, and then I saw there was still an hour and a half left. Yeah. And I've never felt so despondent about anything in my life. <laughs> I was just, I was like, because also because there's a lot of matches as well at the beginning. That by that point, you're like four or five matches into the pay per view, and they're short matches as well by and large, and it's all filled with all this other shit in between, all this grout we'll call it in between. Yeah. And it was one of these things where I was like, oh my God, why is this so long? And you're right, like why are all these bits being used? to fill especially considering considering that the matches are yeah uh. <laughs> I, what what i thought so this was at the exact point where i suddenly started to imagine being in the crowd mm. and i'd bought like a decent seat you're probably talking a couple hundred dollars at least can you imagine having paid Say say a hundred dollars, which is about eighty quid. Imagine having paid eighty quid and you're watching this. Bargain, mate. Bargain. The, 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 the difference is as well. I'm assuming with the three of us would have probably gone, and by this point in the pay per view, we'd have been absolutely steaming. That's so true. we'd yeah. be having a lovely time anyway. We'd we'd be we'd be a bit half cut, maybe maybe on the way to being quite pissed, and then we'd be having a lovely time. So. Whilst yeah. I can see what you mean from from a from a viewing perspective, if we were actually there, we'd we, we'd be having a lovely old time. Well, after the hosts of WrestleMania do their bit, we then get a video package to build up to Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, um, one of the big two or big three matches, I suppose, on the show. Um, this one goes for 17 minutes. Does <laughs> um, <laughs> it ever? Fuck me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Basically, the end came when Strowman missed a splash from the top rope and then Reigns hit the spear for the victory. 
where do we start old oh, man let's go to you you're pulling your face into kind of a gurning <laughs> position so clearly you love this one got a decent amount to say on this the Good. first thing first thing that struck me michael cole is selling the pants <laughs> off of this he's, he's said, giddy he's giddy at the beginning isn't he <laughs> yeah he says i cannot wait and he clenches his fist he looks to the heavens <laughs> Yeah, and all I, all I could think was like, I could have waited. I could have waited. <laughs> so they do the video package. With, to be honest, like WWE do these video packages incredibly well. It's an incredible video package, but it did not make me. It would have taken a very good package to make me want to watch this. An Austin Aries sized package. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It did not make me want to watch this match. When Roman Reigns comes out, the heat on him is incredible. But this is the most of the crowd get into this match is when they're booing Roman Reigns at the start. After this, they don't really care. Roman Reigns is oddly wearing boots with white on the bottom, which mm. really confused me. And I was a bit like, he's, he's gone a bit rogue here. I feel like he's breaking character a little bit, which made me uncomfortable. But it did give me something to concentrate on. And then they effectively have the same match as Sasha Banks and Nia Jax for a large portion of it, where Strowman is playing the Nia Jax role and Reigns is absurdly playing the Sasha Banks role, where he's just kind of getting thrown around. Mm. Like, he's getting thrown around like a ragdoll. And this is, I know they're trying to put over how strong Strowman is, but Strowman's not very good. Like He's not very good, in particular at this point. His hair is a disgrace. Like, it's an absolute <laughs> disgrace. He doesn't quite move like a wardrobe, but he's kind of like he's kind of on the sideboard scale, I think, <laughs> of of movement. The splash at the end is horrific. It's like it reminded me of what I think I would look like if I was carrying a tray of drinks and I tripped over a step and I was unable to stop myself with my hands. So I'm falling forward, so I just kind of flop on my belly, and then it ends. And then I realised that it was that my main takeaway from the match was that it is the battle of the cargo pants. <laughs> They're both wearing cargo pants, and then it was done. It's shit. Just really, just not good. Just it's exactly what I expected it to be. Okay, well let let let's let's see if it's exactly what you expected to be after Tom's had his say. Because I'm sure I'm absolutely positive Tom is going to have loved this one. I mean, two two absolute workhorses at their finest. I mean, no, it is it is shit. And like all man saying that, like the heat on Roman Reigns at the beginning, the the way you kind of said it almost made it sound like it's a good thing, but that's not their intention. So immediately you're like, oh okay, there we go. So they go through all these big power moves, and then it ends with just one fucking shitty sphere. Like it's just it was just crap. It was just. I was watching this and I was just like, and it, it felt like every fucking minute of those 17 was like me having a tooth pulled out. It was fucking awful. And I, like, and do you know what it was? It was, it was, it was, I was thinking throughout this entire pay-per-view, I reckon, so for a while I still did watch quite a lot of pay-per-views and kept up with, with the product. I not even necessarily watched it, but at least read a report. You know, sure. it became kind of like my thing. It was, I'm pretty sure it was basically around this point where I was like, I can't be bothered with this anymore. Like, it, it is so bad. Like, this main event is so uninspiring. No one cares. There's not really a reason. The video package is, is, is bland and it's basically everything that it has been in every single match involving these two before and after, I'd imagine. And just absolutely not, I didn't come out of it with anything positive to say about it. 
So I think that they've had some okay matches between the two of them. I think they've done some things that have been quite good. I think that their power moves can be quite impressive looking. The problem is the length of this match. 17 minutes is far too much time to give Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman to have a match. And again, we don't need you to give us more time. You've already, you're going to go at least three hours. You spend about 14 minutes on Goldberg's entrance later on. So don't worry about it. You can give us just 10 minutes of this one. No problem. And I, I won't, I won't mm. have a problem with it. And I think that's the main problem. You're right though. Obviously Roman Reigns is being booed a lot. There's a mixed reaction. There are some people that are cheering for him, but they're in the, they seem or they sound like they're, they're lesser in number than the ones who don't like him. But the problem is here, this isn't like when John Cena was having similar reactions because you were watching John Cena, I don't know, against CM Punk, for example, where you legitimately liked CM Punk. The fans here aren't rejecting Roman Reigns and also loving his opponent. They don't really like Braun Strowman either, but at this point in time, he's the alternative to Reigns in these matches. And so it doesn't really carry this. There's no real kind of um, truth or, or organic feeling to that response. It's just, we don't like Roman Reigns. We're going to cheer whoever he faces. So yeah, I, 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 you know, it isn't a good match. It's dull. I, this was the closest I came to being like, to zoning out whilst I was watching it. But they, they also, it's not like they don't work hard. They do try their best. They go through the, the, the announce table at one point, Roman Reigns gets um, power slammed through it. Um, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do try their hardest to construct something out of this. It's just too long for these two guys. I don't want to get on the kind of hating Roman Reigns bandwagon. I certainly I don't hate him or anything, but I just I've never felt like he's quite good enough to carry a main event level match. I think he can he can perform in them. I think he can be good in them. He can't carry them, and here he's required to carry it because Strowman isn't that great himself and they ultimately don't put on a particularly good match just one final point so Roman Reigns effectively for a large portion of this match is as I said at the start getting thrown around he doesn't look particularly strong it ends with one spear which as Tom touched upon is kind of very odd but then the commentators obviously put over how tough Roman Reigns is eyes fall through Roman Reigns then goes on to Wrestlemania to effectively retire the Undertaker well retire the Undertaker as we think it. Strowman, who has been made to look reasonably strong in the match, isn't even on the card. Like the whole show, it's such a stopgap that yeah. it's really hard. Once I once that had tweaked in my brain, that Reigns goes on to face Undertaker, I think I got to that point about halfway through the match. I was like, well, what is this for? Like, this doesn't lead anywhere it's just to give Roman Reigns something to do. It's exactly the same. Yeah. It gave me the exact same feeling of John Cena versus Kane ahead of John Cena's match with The Rock at WrestleMania the first time, mm. I think it was. Like they had a feud that lasted two or three months, and the whole reason was just literally to give John Cena something to do. Mm. Regardless of whether anyone actually wanted to see it or it was of any interest to anyone, they put it out there anyway. So I'd give a fucking finger to watch John Cena versus Kane over this shit. <laughs> Backstage, um, we see Mick Foley with Samoa Joe after this match. Um, he tells Samoa Joe that Stephanie would not want Joe to get involved in the Owens-Goldberg Universal title match. And he says if he sees uh, Samoa Joe again, there's going to be hell to pay. There was some horror. There was some like just looks that both of you are giving, shaking heads like, 
I mean, I agree with you. I don't, there's obviously something that's happened on Raw that suggests that Samojo might get involved in this, mm. but we don't know what it is. We aren't told during the broadcast, and I think that's probably the problem here. Well, it's yeah. just, it's just so all of all of the phony stuff in this thing is absolutely pointless. We didn't cover we didn't cover the first one, which True. is him Sorry. on a, him on a on a call with Stephanie McMahon, where she's just this this bit in particular of like the tail end of the authority sort of thing is genuinely one of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. Um, give me fucking Miss NWO over this any day of the week. <laughs> because because they're like, it's basically, I don't, I don't understand. It's the second time he's just got lost like, for like, who, how, how, who, can I think of another word that's going to make me seem how pissed off I am at this? Just, <laughs> there's no, there's no benefit to any of it. Like they've got yeah. Mick Foley in a um in a basically what like, as a lame duck commissioner effectively getting getting overruled constantly by Stephanie McMahon, which, which I can't remember there being any kind of blow off to it. I, no one benefits from it. It makes it it makes any authority that that you know Mick Foley should have completely irrelevant anyway. And what's the point when it comes to this bit, when he comes up and says, don't be involved in the main event. It's not fully putting, stamping his authority on it as well. He's saying you need to not be involved in the main event or else I'm going to get it in the neck from, from Stephanie McMahon. And it's not even as if he's, he's Mick Foley. He's a sympathetic babyface character. He, you know, he has been for, for years now. It'd be different if it was like a snide, Healy, oh, I don't want to get in trouble with the boss sort of thing. It's just an emasculated old man in a terrible jacket and an awful oh, yeah. shirt just speaking to Smojo and telling him not to be in the match. And then, spoiler alert, he don't get involved in it at all anyway. So what exactly was the point in everything? All it does is asserts the dominance of Stephanie McMahon being this golem over the over like this entire storyline. It makes no sense. I think that's the sense it's supposed to make, Tom, though, isn't it? Yeah. Is what you just said about Stephanie McMahon being like the puppeteer over everybody. Like, that's what they like to show. That's what they like to put out there, especially during the authority point time. They WWE love nothing more than to emphasize how powerful and important the McMahon family were over all these people that are wrestling. And it does nothing for the product, but they love doing it. And there's there's no blow off as far as I can remember. I can't remember there being a consequence. At least kind of there were like some matches involving Triple H or whatever during his kind of stint with the authority and what have you. Like it's just shit. It just does Samoa Joe no favours because he doesn't, if you're going to do something with him and like obviously we touched upon that nothing really happens for Samoa Joe on a long term basis. It just makes him look a little bit like a bitch as well. Like, mm. he's supposed to be a fucking badass. He chokes people out. That's what he does. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone. This is the problem with the authorities, that for an yeah. entire run, that's exactly what they did. They cut the balls off of everybody and made yeah. them all look subservient to the McMahon family. And it's like, well, how can anyone get over in that environment? doesn't make mm. sense. I don't know whether this is just me, but whenever you have these backstage segments and you have a wrestler walking, so in the back area, walking towards the camera and someone is catching up with them, my immediate thought is the person that is being caught up to, in this case, the Mojo, is leaving the arena. And then Foley talks about him not getting involved in the main event. And I was like, why don't you just on the way out because he's got a bag with him I think as well <laughs> yeah. so he's going what are you fucking telling him <laughs> you stupid sod yeah you it was stupid sod also weird to see Mick Foley with short hair always weird because he's he's no oil painter and I don't think he would say that he is but 
when, when he's got longer hair, he kind of looks like a semi-responsible human. I think because I've seen him with long hair so much, when I see him with short hair, it really catches me off guard. Is he involved at the time because they're promoting that awful show with his annoying daughter? I think that's effectively uh, why he's there. Yeah. yeah. Then we get a build-up video for Bailey versus Charlotte Flair. Uh, and they then have their match, which is also about 17 minutes in length for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, this one has a bit of a convoluted ending, so give me a second and I'll try and um, talk, talk you through it. So Charlotte's about to execute a moonsault from the top rope to the outside, but Sasha Banks runs to the ring and Charlotte heads her off at the pass. Um, Charlotte throws Banks into the guardrail and then... Um, but then that distraction allows Bailey to hit a Bailey to belly on the outside of the ring. Back in the ring, Charlotte gets a small package on um, Bailey, but then Banks tells the referee that Charlotte's um, grabbing the tights of Bailey. And then that another distraction, that distraction then allows Bailey, uh, Bailey to hit the belly to Bailey for the pinfall victory. Bailey retains. And that's the end of the match. Where do we go first? How about we start with Tom? Because I can see he's dying to talk about it. Well, the match in itself, the majority of the match was fine. Um, you know, Charlotte Flair's good, very good, and Bailey's a good wrestler as well. The, my problem I have is the ending. Like, you've got your babyface champion who seemingly can't win without the help of someone else. Like, I don't, I don't know why you do that, especially considering the fact that it'd be different because at the beginning of the match, Charlotte comes down with Dana Brooke and then basically tells Dana Brooke to fuck off. Because she wants to prove, I guess, that she can beat Bailey without any help. It'd be different if Dana Brooke had been involved in the match the entire time and then Sasha Banks came down to make the save. That would at least make some kind of sense. But the fact is, is that what ultimately happens is that Sasha Banks stops a babyface Bailey, like losing to a match clean. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't make any sense because her first interference, as you said, is involving in that in that that moonsault spot. So it's not even as if there had been moments during the match where Charlotte Flair had been constantly cheating either, which meant that someone else had to come out and point that out to the referee. It just it just didn't make any sense. It was just it was just a nonsensical finish to what was, you know, overall not a bad match. So I should provide some context in the build up video. Of course, they did um, show how Bailey had won the world championship which had involved sasha banks getting involved again mm-hmm. so there was a suggestion that banks uh, sorry there was a suggestion that bailey shouldn't even accept being the champion and they had obviously had a segment on uh raw where stephanie had suggested that bailey should give up the belt but she'd said no she's not going to give up the belt she's the champion and so that was feeding into this um and what tom's just talked about oh man your thoughts this is the best match in the night i think by a fair distance i think i have a weird thing with Charlotte Flair where I think she's now in particular I think she's quite overrated but watching this I think I'm gonna have to reevaluate that because she is tremendous she's great in this one thing that bothered me is her top would have done my fucking head in because it kind of like tapers down to her belly button and all I could think was how annoying it would be just rubbing on my belly button if I was trying to have a wrestle but and she also makes some great noises as well Charlotte Flair. I thought the match was, like I said, very good. Charlotte is a tremendous heel, just so much better as a heel than a face. And we kind of like touched upon this again, reference in our Royal Rumble 2021 episode where we kind of talked about 
Uh, yeah, there's just some really good stuff. I found the end a bit disappointing, to be honest, and a bit pointless. But they're also, I think, trying to protect Charlotte because it's noted numerous times that Charlotte has never lost a pay-per-view solo match to this point. So I think they're kind of trying to protect that. But feeding into the whole feel of the show, even though this is for the title, the title match at the pay-per-view is a four-way Yes, elimination yes. match with yes. yeah with Sasha Banks and Nia Jax. To my knowledge, this match isn't set up at this time, but the way that the commentators are selling it, and the way even that Bailey sells it as well, is that she wants to go to WrestleMania as the champion. Mm. That's the whole reason for this match is so that she can walk into WrestleMania as champion. It's just like that's. I'm sorry, that's not enough. Like we've said on the whole show, it's so lazy. This is a much better match than that deserves. This match deserves to just be a straight title match with the possibility that Bailey doesn't get a WrestleMania match. I don't even know why they're talking about WrestleMania, to be honest. I know it's a month before, but it shouldn't be about that. Like the Sasha Banks-Nia Jax match should have been a number one contender match to then give this match a little bit more than just is Bailey going to walk into WrestleMania as champion? I think that's right. I think there there is a number of issues there. I think that the match was quite good. I didn't think it was that great, this match. First of all, the crowd weren't that interested in, in, in it nah. for a start, which they're not in, interested in very much at all throughout the show. Um, they, had a, they started really well with Charlotte kind of dominating kind of proceedings but then bailey got a bit of a comeback going on but it all kind of got a little bit messy in there when she started a comeback she hung charlotte upside down at one yeah. point in in the turnbuckle and goodness knows what was what was going on here but bailey tried to do something three times and she visibly got frustrated because she couldn't do it for whatever reason mm. i don't know if it was charlotte was kind of holding on to the middle rope as though she was trying to pull herself back pull herself back up and bailey kept like almost looking to charge into her but then stopping because she wasn't able to do whatever it was they were trying to do it didn't work and it made and it really took the sting out of her comeback it just all the momentum was lost in that in that that period um and so for me what that damaged the match overall and then as you say the ending was a bit it was just it was silly as well like the it kind of went to a couple of things first of all what is it you're trying to achieve with this show you know i always think if you at the end of the show can come out with two or three bullet points about what you've achieved as a promotion coming out of a show, then that's a sign of a good, a, a well-planned, put-together um, card. So in this respect, what I'd be looking for here is bullet point, feel-good victory for Bailey, defending a championship, proving that she's deserving of that title after winning the belt in questionable circumstances on Raw a couple of weeks before. No, that doesn't happen. We just get more questions. We get more like, Bailey doesn't deserve this thing. Um, and as you said, it's the baby face. It just doesn't just doesn't make any sense it would have made a lot more sense if dana brooke was out there as you've said previously um i think actually if they've had dana brooke out there sasha banks had come down throwed her into the still steps or something charlotte had been distracted by that and then bailey had hit the belly to bailey suplex so you'd be like well fair enough you know that that mm. makes sense uh, it protects charlotte a little bit but also still gives bailey a clean victory that's all fine mm. but again they didn't do that they just had this kind of strange convoluted thing where sasha banks comes out presumably because she doesn't think bailey can get the job done either which makes it even stranger that they only 
last year broke up as a team as a, as a couple of friends mm. they kept they kept teasing the breakup between them over and over again for for a good few years it was really strange yeah they just didn't really achieve anything for me and on top of that you've just built up this big unbeaten undefeated streak that charlotte's got on pay-per-view since she's come to the main roster and this is how you end it like it's not like when you've when you've built that up and you've said to people you've been explicit oh you know 16 and 0 she is on pay-per-view and you made a big deal out of a streak you want it to end in a way that's significant that like mm. people can go wow somebody gets something out of it you know bailey mm. gets a clean victory over charlotte here and it kind of feels significant bailey gets a big boost from mm. it but the way she wins it like you've just wasted that 16 and 0 streak on this yeah. like it's just it's just poor the whole thing is badly thought out as we've said about everything on the show just not no thought has gone into the consequence of how you've booked the matches or the promos or anything on the show and, and this really spoke to me in the same way they clearly didn't have a uh, didn't have a sprint goal did they tinky they did not have a sprint goal they didn't have any goals though that's the thing there's just no and i think this is a period of time where i didn't watch wwe for a while i think i, I really got fed up in about 2016 and the same reasons I got fed up are, are on display here. It's just so little thought in individuals, people's journey through what they're going through and what they're doing. Um, and it really just it just it makes you disappointed because you're like you're looking to go on that journey with these characters and you just can't. You just can't do it. It, it, kind, of, it kind of harkens back to what we've said many times before. And a lot of I don't a lot of people I don't think really get this, but. Ultimately, the, the quality of the match in terms of like a technical quality doesn't really matter no. if you care. You can have the most technically impressive wrestling match in the entire world. But if, it, if there's no reason for it to happen and there's no emotional investment in it, then what's the point? You, it'd, be, it'd be like watching a film that's like incredibly well shot. But if there's no storyline behind it, it's just uh, filming things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, 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 there's no point in it. And that feels like it's really... During this during this period of WWE's product, it feels like that's exactly what they're doing. They've got talented people. They do now. They've still got incredibly talented people on the on the on the roster, but they don't they don't utilize them. They didn't use the characters properly. Think about like it's hard it's hard to always harken back to the Attitude Era and and but you think about it, characters like the Godfather and didn't have great matches. But they were so over and people cared about it. Like the storyline, there we go, old man. The storyline of Big Val Venus versus Kai and Tai was yeah. massively over. But they, I can't remember any matches they had, but I can remember it being great. The, the storyline being great. You know, you can talk about all these things, these these, these inconsequential mid-card characters who, let's face it, never had particularly good matches. But you cared about them because the way they were presented and the way the storylines were written around these characters mattered. It made it feel like they mattered. Let me pull out an example of something that was of a time when we weren't necessarily watching wrestling a lot, but still worked. Triple H and Batista, WrestleMania, what was it, 21? I wasn't really watching wrestling at the time. I never particularly cared for Batista. I never have really particularly cared for Triple H. But they made people really care about those two people going into their WrestleMania match and the story that they had built throughout that period of time. And again, it's not about the quality or the, the, the actual the technical quality. Absolutely, Tom, you're absolutely right. It's just about how much you can make people care about the result. And so you can have two terrible wrestlers in there. But if people care about the result, you'll get a good match out of it. No problem. Yeah. To get us out of this funk, like, funk yeah, this terror. No, join, join me in the funk. I've been here for a week. <laughs> 
Actually, will I join you in the funk? <laughs> that sounds like That's a whole. Like, that sounds like a far more fun thing than actually you're talking about, right? Yeah. Listen, mate, mate, I got I got the slap bass out. It's all getting real funky in it, man. Me and Brodus Clare in there. The Godfather's in there. He's quite funky, wasn't he? There's Owen Hart's theme songs playing in the background. We're all having a lovely time. In the in this funk that we're in, it's exactly why. This was such a hard watch. And we, we've said this, it was like, we don't know what anything's for. But it's the fact that when you've watched stuff previously, and I mean, Tom, you touched on Valvis. I think Val Venus is the greatest worker of all time. So any match that he has is always going to be a 10, possibly an 11, because he had a lovely run with Dino Brown. Mm. for a, about 73 <laughs> pay-per-views in a row. There are a couple in there. That, That's funny uh, because like, infamously, Dilo Brown is my favourite wrestler of all time. So those those matches are going to be hellacious, mate. Well, I, I tell you what. That's the schedule sorted out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just all of those pay-per-views. But yeah, they don't... Um, there's no logic. And I think as much as watching wrestling is a completely illogical thing, when you actually break it down, the thing that keeps us involved is that Every now and then, these magic things will happen. And when you mentioned Triple H and Batista, Tinky, I thought you were going to touch on the match that they had at WrestleMania 34 or 35, when Batista attacks Ric Flair on Ric Flair's birthday. And it all feeds back to uh, SmackDown, the thousandth episode of SmackDown, when Batista just throws out that Triple H had never beaten Batista in a singles match. And apparently they chucked out just to see what the crowd did. And then they were like, yeah, well, yeah, maybe we'll go with this. By the time that match came out, I was gagging for it. And this is two people late 40s batista who like you said he i was never a big fan of absolutely loving now and really actually appreciate that he was actually pretty decent in what he did in the past triple h i think his last couple of matches haven't been very good but you're gagging to see it because there's some thought that's gone into it and there's some care and attention paid to the story and also a respect for the audience that's it you just want a sense that the, the people who made this product aren't just going to aren't just relying on the wrestling fans being stupid and therefore they can put anything in front of them and that's what they too often have fallen back on during this period i'm not so sure they're doing it now i feel like there's a bit more thought going into things now and i do having watched the rumble um and having seen a little bit of last year's stuff not much what i've seen of it feels like there's a bit more imagination going into things and they're trying to improve but at this period in time back in 2017 i really felt like there was just a, a real what to your point of man lack of respect for the audience but on the plus side and this was the point i was going to make before i joined the funk this was the first time that i noticed that there's someone dressed as demon finn balor in the front row (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know how i didn't notice them it's hardly like the in-ring action was so captivating i wondered if they were either a so they'd been found elsewhere and wwe had said look go and sit down the front so that like people remember who finn balor is or whether they'd got changed in time for the main event, oh. as as Finn Balor would in his main event matches, he'd become the demon. And I wondered, maybe, maybe they'd fully committed. He was there the whole show. Was he? Bollocks. This goes back into the point as well about the shit crowd, and I don't mean, yeah. and I don't mean necessarily from because this this is a different type of shit crowd from the crowd that we had last week. Because the crowd that we had last week, nowhere at two thousand, are a uh, entitled 
bloodthirsty dickhead crowd, whereas this is just a bored crowd. And the crowd was so boring that there wasn't even anything apart from, again, it was a similar point where I realised there was a Finn Balagor. There weren't even anyone interesting to look at. There weren't even like a funny thing going on in the crowd in the background, you know. Usually you just see like one guy just flexing for no reason or something like that in the background to at least spice it up. There weren't even any of that. Come on, guys, two Oldberg signs. What more could you possibly (laughs) want? To be honest, I'm quite annoyed that I didn't notice those signs. I thought you might have uh, felt like some connection with them, if I'm honest, old man. Why? No reason. Now, before the main event, we have a clip from Raw about whether Seth Rollins will be cleared to compete for WrestleMania. And we also see Triple H telling Rollins not to call him out for a match at WrestleMania, says that if he does, it will be the last thing he does. And then Seth Rollins effectively says the same thing back to Triple H. So apparently at WrestleMania, we're going to get a murder of some kind. (laughs) Um, Old man, you any thoughts on this bit? When I was watching this, made me think... A last thing you'll ever do match. The last thing you'll ever do match. I feel like they could do a better match. Like maybe as our fearless listeners voted, maybe they could do a Judy Bagwell on a pole match <laughs> and finally settle their feud. When I watched this promo video, this was the one good thing about this authority phase. And I remembered that actually... I was watching a decent amount of the product at the time, which I completely, the listener will probably raise by the way that we've talked about the rest of the card. It's probably quite easy to imagine why I didn't remember. But this was the one bit that was actually genuinely quite interesting. And I was quite looking forward to it. And then they had the match of Mania and it's not very good. But yeah, you might, sometimes you just need a, a, a woman on a pole to make a match better. So well, it was Judy Bagwell on a forklift. We should, uh, on, a for- should specify. on a forklift? Yeah, on a I forklift. I don't want some woman on a bloody forklift. That's stupid. <laughs> Get her on a bloody pole. <laughs> okay, so then we have the video package for leading up to Goldberg versus Kevin Owens. It very much um, kind of focuses on Goldberg's victory over Lesnar at the Survivor Series that has taken place a couple of months before. And then we have the Universal title match, Goldberg versus Kevin Owens. As I said earlier on, Goldberg takes about 25 years to get to the, the ring in the first place. More time wasting on this show where there's just so much of it. It's just so much time wasting. The two men come out. Kevin Owens uh, decides to kind of stall for time so there's more time wasting kevin owens is walking around the ring he's kind of getting some heat on himself which you know actually was probably quite was actually quite enjoyable but at the same time you're still thinking god more time you're having to eat away i don't know why you feel like you've got to i know why you've got to feel so much time because you've got nothing lined up for the show and then eventually kevin owens finally gets in the ring and urges the referee to ring the bell to ring the bell before he can do that chris jericho's music comes on kevin owens gets distracted the referee then chooses to ring the bell he's not like he's done it on the insistence of kevin owens badly timed this bit was goldberg there kevin owens then turns around goldberg spears him jackhammers him pins him the match is over in what must be 20 seconds and we have a new universal champion in Goldberg let's start with you old man your thoughts on this one to be honest I thought the segment was actually reasonably effective apart from the bit that you touched upon with the ringing of the bell why the referee didn't ring the bell before the music hits because the minute Jericho's music hits you can't ring the bell come on ref (laughs) um the crowd are incredibly into Goldberg which is is a credit to him because I think he comes across as quite a likable chap he is in incredible shape 
Like he is. My dear God. I mean, this is like, well, possibly what you know, like when he was on his little streak. Kevin Owens kind of like the stalling, I think, goes on for four minutes that Kevin Owens does, mm-hmm. which is a long time. And it did kind of Corey Graves touches on it in commentary, just like Goldberg's like a caged animal. But that's hard, even for Goldberg, whose character is basically that. I think for that amount of time, it's hard to keep up. I think it's ruined by the end. I think everything up until, like I said, up until when Jericho's music hits is reasonably well done. Goes on a little bit longer than it needs to. But then it all goes to shit. The one thing that I do enjoy is that Goldberg, and he's, I've heard him say this in interviews, and it's obvious from the way that he is, he's basically doing this for his son. Yeah. Like, so that his son can see him being. I think um, Michael Cole says on commentary that he can be the superhero again. So he's doing this for his son, which is a lovely thing. But it does also make me think, like, is that really what the WW, like the universal title is? Is something so that a man can make his kid happy? Basically, it's not a good excuse for having Goldberg win a world championship at 50 years of age. I mean, that's uh, when he hasn't wrestled in 10 years. So I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think... That is a problem. Of course, the other problem you've got there, old man, is you said that the it's all fine apart from the ending when the bell rings to start the match, which is yeah. funny because that's also the start and the ending of the match. So unfortunately, yeah. uh, the whole thing's a bit uh, of a, you know, basically you're going to have 20 seconds uh, as a match and you get the first five seconds of those wrong. You're in real trouble, aren't you? <laughs> Tom, any thoughts? No, the, it's paging Dr. Fuck up is all I can say. Is that a bit at the beginning? There's just... It's just, it's the one, you had one job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I imagine Vince must have been spitting feathers backstage when they, when they fucked up the timing on that, because it's ridiculous. It, as you said, ring the bell, Jericho's music hits, do it. The biggest thing I can say is that it's short. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's all I got. I don't, I don't care about Goldberg. We've had this conversation when we, when we talked about this year's Rumble. Like, I don't really know who this is for, other than, as you said, him trying to make impress his son. And let's be honest, you know, as much as we're on DVD, you could have just gone back and watched them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly as if it's like an untouchable holy grail of Goldberg matches out there that aren't available anywhere. It's true, just ten or a month. So watch them on that. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, look, I mean, obviously, from what what we see in this match, I, hang on, and we know my opinion on some wrestlers and their bloody kids. Yeah, as we, well. do, we do know about that certainly. Now, obviously, you know, you've said before, Tom, that you didn't you were like, who's this for? Well, this shows kind of that there is an audience for this. There are people out there who want to see Goldberg and they want to see him destroy people. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. You know, this isn't if you think about it, this isn't really very much different from the old warrior beating Honky Tonk Man in 25 seconds back in 1988 or whatever happened. Right. It's not really that much different, except this is the main event. I, I get you. But, you know, there isn't really that much difference. The thing is, though, is that no one's nobody's surprised by this nobody's not expecting this 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 happens this isn't like back when the warrior won that match nobody won a title in 25 seconds back in those days and no one had done it certainly to honky tonk man who'd been the longest reigning intercontinental champion by that point for a long time this wasn't like something people were desperately excited for because it had never happened desperately surprised by because it never happened goldberg had just beaten lesnar in a minute and 30 Mm. seconds you can't build up to it happening again and expect people to be surprised they weren't it was the most telegraphed thing ever we already know goldberg and lesnar are going to face each other at wrestlemania anyway by this point so there's no way goldberg's not winning this match you're not going to have kevin owens lose it 
other than if you are a massive fan of Goldberg, which, as I say, from the crowd reaction, there clearly are some people who are a massive fan of Goldberg. But other than that, there's nobody really going to be satisfied by this. A 20 second main event in a show which overall has been disappointing. I think at best you could say it's been mediocre and then you get this as your main event and um the vast majority of which is kevin uh, kevin owens walking around the ring for four minutes that's the vast majority of this main event oh of course and goldberg's entrance which lasts for a year so yeah you know i think there's nothing wrong with it in terms of it it what you're doing i think if you're going to do it though which i think wwe have done again since they've done similar things like this but they've also figured out that you also need something else in the main event slot if you're going to do something like this and they just didn't this was now the how the show closed and i'm sure at the time there are lots of fans who were very unhappy about the treatment of kevin owens given his long title reign and his his golden kind of stuff with chris jericho that had taken place the previous few months well this is also like the fuck up that tom that we mentioned and tom talks about with the um with the music and the bell ringing and all that it's just classic jericho isn't it it's just it's just it is classic jericho because everything up to the point where there is some in-ring repercussion is great and then the minute there's some in-ring stuff it all kind of goes to shit chris jericho all over yeah to his credit his band fozzy apparently are quite popular but he looks like he is pretending to be a rock star. He looks like Chris Jericho looks like fucking Noel Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, amazing. Jer- Jericho's house party on a Saturday night. That'd be lovely <laughs> stuff. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's the end of the show. And I think um, kind of a, a, a not the worst note to end on, just a, a kind of quite indicative, I think, of the whole show as a, as a, as a, as a, as a thing. So let's, talk about our overall thoughts on the show get our match of the night and our ratings tom i'm going to begin with you because i know that this is good this has been a chore all the way through just watching it and now talking about again revisiting it like old man you're going to need some therapy after this one i think what's your give give us your kind of uh, overall well i think this podcast has been my therapy from it actually (laughs) because even though i hated this card and i was dreading talking about it i'm just very happy i was able to chat it with you boys so it would have been awful uh my highlight of the night the match of the night uh i'm gonna say fuck me um (laughs) uh, do you know what bollocks the main event because it's short and i'm gonna give it one star and as i said earlier half of that star is because scott armstrong isn't a referee and the other the (laughs) other half star goes to the fact that chris jericho looks like noel evans at the end so one (laughs) one star is that one out of ten is it yep yeah cool uh, old man. I'm not quite one star, but I'm two star. Okay. Yeah, two star because I'm no actually three, three stars. I think two stars are dumb because I think the women's championship match and the cruiserweight match push it up that one star. I think particularly watched in isolation, it's dreadful. Like mm. it's very bad. It doesn't do a good job of doing anything. I'd, well, you know, I was just about to say, just do a good job of anything that it aims to do, but I have no idea what it's aiming to do. They had this a little bit after they launched the network, but this is a fair few years after they've launched the network. Like, they have network-exclusive pay-per-views, and there are a couple, like, they had a roadblock, I think. And I think that they just, they're obviously trying to sell this nine ninety nine a month thing whilst making some money, obviously, in 
terms of getting people in, selling merchandise and stuff like that. It, it's a very cynical show. It's a bit like how Sky Sports sell every Super Sunday, even if it's Crystal Palace versus Fulham <laughs> on repeat. They sell it like it's incredibly important without having the means to back it up. Let me set the scene here. There's a, there was a few years back where myself, I think you two as oh, well, yes, and and probably one or two other people were watching the as as what old man just referenced the Super Saturday, uh, Super Sunday, sorry for Sky Sports, and I believe the first match was Cardiff versus Swansea, and I can't remember what the second match was. Now. No, no, that's no. The first match was oh, God, this is embedded in my memory because it was so fucking awful. Um, it was um, Norwich versus Stoke. Norwich was the, was the first game, and then, but we were like, do you know, what? we'll sit for this. We knew that match was going to be shit because it'll be the first ever South Wales derby in the Premier League, and yeah. we thought it was going to be all fire and brimstone. We thought it was going to be Kane, um, and it turned out <laughs> it was Isaac Yankum. Yeah, that's absolutely that's a, that's a perfect description of the afternoon. It was an absolutely shockingly bad afternoon, and do uh, you know what? That's that we have fun. In terms of the in terms of the shows that were put in front of us, in terms of what was the entertainment that was provided, we ended up providing more of the entertainment than they did. Um, would you prefer to watch those two football matches back to back again, or watch this show again? <laughs> oh, do you know what? Uh, we're not including like halftime analysis and that. We're just talking about just the football. Uh, yeah, I don't really matter. Don't really matter. Because just just the football matches will probably be a little bit shorter than this pay per view. Only just, maybe a minute yeah. or two at best. At best. Um. Yeah. Like, so my my opinion on this one, I think it is a very mediocre show. I think there's very little that they achieve from it. And to old man's point, cynical. I think is absolutely the right word. It's cynical in terms of we've got a show to put on that we're trying to sell people on the idea that the network's really value for money and we're going to sell i don't know 15,000 tickets or whatever it is for the show um so we're going to make some money out of it but we're really not going to put much effort into it we're really not going to care um in fact this is perhaps a symptom of the network at least at certain at certain points in time they feel like they can get away with it because they don't need to sell the show itself they just need to sell the network as a whole and so they can not necessarily line up a load of interesting stuff and important things for the pay-per-view um i thought that was a quick question sorry about about fast lane as a pay-per-view was it ever a non-network pay-per-view i think it was created for the network because i think the first one was 2015 i think but whatever the case it it does it just feels like you know we've got we can we can make some money out of this without putting much effort in i think the show as a whole there are 45 minutes to an hour in the middle of it where it just sinks off a cliff where you just there's nothing of value whatsoever or there there are some there's perhaps a decent match between the cruiserweights in that period but you're like well nobody knows what's going on with this because it's on 205 live why are you giving this on a major show i don't really I don't really care about it um there's loads of time fillers you know, there's one point where there's a the KFC advert with, with Enzo and Cass is quickly followed up by the second airing of the WrestleMania advert. So they, mm-hmm. they air the same advert twice. And yeah, the the matches in general aren't that great. Even the ones I was looking forward to, Charlotte and Sasha Banks, uh, sorry, Charlotte and Bailey, were, I thought was a real disappointment. Um, if I'm honest, I didn't think it was uh, uh, that great. My match tonight is the opener. Sami Zayn versus Samoa Joe, I thought was the best match. I actually, though, think I rate that match a bit, quite a bit higher than you two. I thought that was a really quite well executed, good match. Perfectly, like if this came at the beginning of No Way Out 2000 instead of Angle versus Jericho, I, w- I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I think it was about on the same sort of par. But 
it just meant that the rest of the show was even worse by kind of um by comparison so i'm giving it a four because i'm i don't you know i I think giving it any less would be a little bit unfair in my mind anyway but yeah it's probably other than sold out probably the worst show we've watched so far uh as part of this podcast in my in my view so we have got through the show um tom will be very very happy um and we can move on to brighter days in the future and we'll obviously get to that in next week's show but we've also got one more piece of business for today which is of course the game and um tom's gonna kind of shake himself out of his slumber to really go for this because old man you are our host today so yeah welcome to this week's the game are you ready yeah i'm I'm on tenterhooks old man yeah no no are you ready <laughs> just to channel my inner game although ne- maybe next time i host i'll actually channel some game and i'll pretend to be like a guinea fowl or something like that <laughs> or the rapper the game yeah right so this week in honor of the fact that i couldn't think of anything else <laughs> we have members of the ecw WCW Alliance that went head-to-head, mano-e-mano, and womany-woman. Womany-woman. Against WWE in 2001. Okay. Now, there are 44. Annoyingly, there's an even number, so we could end up in our first-ever draw. We're not going to end up in a draw. I'd be surprised, (laughs) mate. I'd be surprised. (laughs) So we are guaranteed to end in our first rule because I know these two gentlemen, they aren't going to let me down. They're going to get everyone. We've had some titanic tussles recently in the game. We are we were, including non-wrestling? We are indeed. It's good news. Yeah. So you can have owners, general managers. Everything. Yeah. Cool in the game. Uh, there are also, there are a couple of names that may come up that have caveats so i will add the caveat whether they are included that will become clear if they come up but don't worry too much about it so we will start in alphabetical order with tom (laughs) (laughs) um ddp correct uh canyon who better than canyon no one no one um i will go with booker t Correct. Shane McMahon. Correct. He was WCW owner. I will go with Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon. Correct. She was ECW owner. Uh, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Correct. Raw announcer and ECW general manager. I'll go with Coldstone Steve Austin. Coldstone Steve Austin. That's correct. He was the leader of the alliance. Uh, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was the traitor. But he was later oh. revealed to be a Vince McMahon planted mole. I would have struggled guessing that just think, just because I wasn't sure if that would have counted or not. That must have been one of those caveats that you were talking about. It was. I'm not killing time. I'm going with Bubba Ray Dudley. Bubba Ray Dudley. Correct. <laughs> Again, trying to draw up the uh, drama there. <laughs> uh, Devon Dudley. Yvonne Dudley, correct. Um, Taz. Correct. Smackdown announcer, Taz. Uh, Rob Van Dam. 
Rob Van Dam. Correct. I will go with Raven. Raven. Correct. Tommy Dreamer. Thomas Dreamer. Correct. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if he was in that, in that or not. Right, so I am officially out so i am just going to pull a random name out of my memory banks come on tommy i am going to go for come on chavo guerrero correct yes (laughs) (laughs) um let's keep up the pressure then Uh, mike awesome mike awesome correct I am going to go for Sean Stasiak. Meet himself. <laughs> it's a double stack swap because he's bloody in there. Uh, Lance Storm. Lance Storm. Correct. Uh, Greg Helms. I very nearly said Greg Wallace then. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Wallace in the in the alliance. It's news to yeah. me. Well, to be honest, you could have had both, but I'll just take off Greg Greg Helms. <laughs> okay, um, Billy Kidman. Oh. Billy Kidman. So it's muggy oh, little cruiserweight, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, I'm pretty sure she came over with them. Whether or not she was in there, Stacy Keebler. Stacy Keebler is. Correct, but Get him. He, yes, yeah. Tory Wilson. Don't Tory Wilson. <laughs> that is correct. Um, so there are two uh, members to defect the WWF midway through the storyline. Okay. Um, okay. I Chuck Palumbo. My word. Lovely. Well done, mate. <laughs> he Lovely. defected to WWF in November. 2001's team with Billy Gunn after being fired by the Alliance. Sean O'Hare. Sean O'Pubic Hare. <laughs> He's there. Sean O'Hare. <laughs> <laughs> you turned into that diet set item, didn't you? <laughs> um, it's a bingo. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, Come on, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. Okay, uh, no. Um, <laughs> Come on! Been an existential crisis here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have any of the good people come over, did they? Come on, uh, mate. I, I, um, <laughs> Nunzio. Nunzio. I'm sorry, mate. Oh, no, mate, I, mate, that was I, tough. I, I, I got, got more, a, I, more than I thought I would. I got to yeah. be honest. I think I've still got about. I think you would have struggled because I still got about eight or nine there. I think. Fuck. Yeah. So I think we had, we had William Regal. I'm yeah. Pretty much defected. He was the commissioner. Rhino. Oh. Yeah. Um, Brian Clark. Yeah. Of Chronic the, and Brian who? Adams. Yeah. So Adam Adam Bomb and Crush basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. They were in there for like a, a month and then got sacked because they were rubbish. Mm. Um, Bagwell does he count because he was there for like. Yeah. A very brief period. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was strictly speaking released before the merger, but he does count as a member. Does that mean that Arn Anderson and um, Scott Hudson count because they were commentators for WCW? They do not. Oh, I also had Nick Patrick. Yeah. I'm assuming Charles Robinson as well. Yeah. 
Test, I think. Yes. Uh, Christian, right at the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Um, Fucking hell. Then the other two, there's two others I've got question marks for. Um, they're just incredible. Yeah. And this one, I'm, I don't think was, but I'm going to say anyway, Mark Jindrak. Mark Jindrak, yes. Wow. He was. Fucking hell. That That's, is, all so, That's all I've got. That's all I've got. So the names remaining are Hugh Morris, oh. who was, because Goldberg has been talked about a lot on the show, he was the first person to lose in Goldberg's legendary streak. Right. Uh, Billy Silverman, who was a referee, referee yeah. who I never heard of. <laughs> uh, the person named after Tom's favorite type of magazine, Jazz. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, the first lady of the alliance, Deborah. Oh, of course. Uh, Brian Hebner, the referee. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mentor to the ladies of the alliance, Ivory. All right. And uh, we had Terry Runnels. Crikey. And the last, but by no means least, Stephen Richards, old White Sox himself. Mm. Should have remembered old White Sox, shouldn't I, really? Yeah. But I must say that was a fantastic effort by both. Classic. Oh. I mean, especially with Tom and his, you know, just the way he's been feeling for the last couple of years. Yeah. Like I was trying to think of ECW people, but then I kept getting myself confused thinking about, like, the ones that were, like, one night stand and if they were in WWE at the time like Sandman um, yeah. you know what I mean and stuff like that Cause, and, then, and then I was like New Jack no he, never, he was never in WWE and I, I didn't I didn't I didn't remember guess how much of an impact Tommy Dreamer had on me during his WWE career I thought <laughs> he came over in that second wave like in the in you know in the um, the one night stand kind of era yeah well I had a, I had a leg up on you because first of all um I'm a massive fan of the night on Raw where ECW emerge. So the night yeah. when you first get ECW and WWE, I may have watched that episode of Raw about four or five times. And the main thing, that, the main moment you find out is when basically you've got, I think it's Lance Storm and Mike Awesome against Kane and Jericho in a tag team yeah. match. And it starts with Dreamer and Rob Van Dam running in from the crowd to attack um the wwe team kane and jericho and then um a bunch of wwe guys coming down from the backstage and then you're realizing all of them are former ecw talents and they all turn at once mm. against kane and chris jericho yeah, who've yeah. just about to who've just about um recovered and it's just wonderful and then of course later on you get ecw and wcw wrestlers all in the ring at once and they kind of yeah, uh, it's cool, isn't it? Together. It's really cool. It's a great episode. I actually think that as 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 as, un, as mishandled as the invasion angle was, and as not as good as it could have been, I still think it's really good. I still really uh, enjoy it. Had it. Its moments. Yeah, I think it does have his moments. So, uh, especially that that tag match at SummerSlam with uh, Kane and the Undertaker versus DDP and Canyon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a match. That was the Undertaker is absolute worst. That was one month before Chronic came in and had their Brian Adams and Brian Clark had their match with Undertaker Brian, and Kane. Brian and they, Clark. <laughs> they were they were hired at the kind of request ultimately of the undertaker apparently he was the main reason they came back in and within a month they were gone because they were so bad they were just so so bad 
Um, okay, well, that just brings us bang up to date. So, um, Tom, thank you for making it all the way. I know you've been feeling rough throughout. You know, you've, you've been you've had a, f- a bad couple of days in terms of just the way you're feeling and your your diet and your exercising. It's all going on in it. So thank mm. you for making it this far. Oh, thank you. It's, I wasn't looking forward to the show, but I knew you lads would drag me through it. So well done to you both. Give yourself a round of applause. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> and old man, once you've finished basically <laughs> sucking yourself off um <laughs> thank you for 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 being here as well to help me get tom through it all uh thank thank you lads uh i will say that for our fearless listeners who this has probably been quite traumatizing listening to three men effectively flog themselves for putting themselves through this keep your eyes peeled every wednesday at rwr pod uk on twitter to see what will be coming in your ears the following Sunday, because we can guarantee that when our next episode drops, you will hear a very different tone in our voices. Oh, yeah. So there's something to look forward to. I can I'm foaming at the gash for that. <laughs> I can certainly guarantee that Tom will definitely be in a different mood for that one. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what's actually on the show that we're going to be covering next. So, um, I, I can't guarantee that for myself, but certainly I know Tom will be very, very happy. And we will be very, very happy to have you back with us as you've been every single week so far. It's been uh, magnificent. We're really, really thankful for your for you for you joining us for this. Um, and if you have been able to join us for all those shows or even just this show, um, make sure you rate and review us. If you rate and review us, then we get more eyes on, on us as a, a podcast. And that would be really, really uh, we'd be massively in your debt for that as well. Um, so that's everything taken care of for today. We will catch you again next time on the Random Wrestling Review. But until then, take care.